Uh, Alright, I'm adding Dave in. Alright. Okay, so I'm in. All set. Uh, how is my voice quality, Jason? Oh, it's lovely. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was telling Dave, I, I didn't think I had you in my Skype. and Yeah, I, I've known we've been doing this for about two weeks now. I think I'd have that sorted out by now, but uh, never ever. Nah, you don't want to put too much effort into it. Yeah. Yeah, I barely made it on time this time, too. I was working today, and it's like, oh, shit, I Ouch. gotta go. Yeah, gotta get your priorities straight. I know. Now we're starting to pack, too, and I told my wife, all right, I'll see you in a couple hours. Have fun. <laughs> now, you said you don't have a working computer right now? Yeah, uh, yeah, not in my house. Okay. I won't ask any more questions, then. I use my work computer to do this. Yeah, I wasn't going to make you say that yeah. on, on the air. <laughs> yeah. That's the only personal thing I do on it. Oh, that's fine. Since I'm this is being me. recorded, that's what I'll say. Yeah, I'm not human resources. Right yeah. Dude, did you see that, uh, that beheading in Oklahoma? No. Workplace violence incident? This guy beheaded... A lady who was like, I guess he's like a crazy guy, but he's saying he's uh, Muslim, so they fired him, and then he went in and beheaded one of the ladies who works there. Holy cow. Jeez. Yeah, totally crazy. Nuts. But you know, the weird thing is like the second part of it, I mean, it's horrible, right? But the second part of it that I thought was, you know, we've, we've seen so many horrible workplace violence incidents that like you're kind of like, well, that could have been a lot worse, you know, like, <laughs> you know, as far as like shootings and yeah. stuff, like, like oh, nowadays, it's only one person. Yeah. Right. Nowadays you fire anybody. You're like, oh, cause you know, the guy you want to fire is like the guy who's weird and, and having problems with other employees. And you're always like, oh, is this guy going to like mm-hmm. go crazy and come back to the office? And like we had a guy who was kind of crazy in our office and my buddy would, uh, he made like a like a popsicle stick mask of the guy like I'm using his face and he would come into the office and try to do drills and see what people would do. Like some people would rehearse when he returned for like an incident. That's but funny. It's kind of uh, like now like the guy would come back and you'd be like, Oh geez, you're back. He's like, yeah, I got something for you. And he pulls out a knife and you're like, Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to pull out like an assault rifle. Oh, that's funny. Windows. So yeah, it's terrible, but still you're kind of like, yeah, the beheadings, I don't know if that's really gonna, I mean, we've already been so exposed to so much terrible violence at work. It's... Yeah, beheading, that's, that's another level though. Like, yeah, anybody can shoot somebody, but. I guess just as far as numbers and efficiency, it's very low as far as, you gotta catch people, you know, it's yeah. just not. That's you brutal. definitely have that element of surprise, I think, to pull it off. <laughs> but yeah, it's terrible thing. Obviously, the woman it happened to is horrible. Yeah. Things. Part of me was still just like, you know, we've seen a lot worse than that as far as stuff. And I don't even think it's like, I think he's like a crazy person, basically, who got into the, started going to the, the mosque and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, crazy and beheading kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah it's a, that's out in Oklahoma. Unless you, unless you go back about 800 years. Well, yeah. That's true. That's true. It's a lot of work for a beheading, though. I mean, they don't just pop off, you know. Yeah, yeah. you gotta, you gotta work for it. Yeah, if you're going, yeah, you're really committed. That's that really, point. I mean, it's not really an American thing, you know. We're guns, guns are easy. <laughs> That's true. Point That's and shoot. Point and shoot. Point and click. 
That's I just had seen that, so I thought that was kind of an odd thing in the news. Right. Got to start it off right, you know. Yeah. Okay. So um, real again, banner. terrible, terrible thing that happened. No, we're not laughing about the incident. I'm just commenting on, in general, the the violence in the workplace now that you know we see so much worse than that. So um, that's it. That's all I got for now. So uh, just want to just start. Yeah, we're yeah we're in the middle of it, so might as well introduce it. Okay, so this is the uh, September 2014 episode of Advance After Combat. Uh, this is a podcast about war games and war gaming, and basically our experiences playing the war games. Um, it's an explicit podcast, so there's there's occasionally going to be uh, bad words or maybe things talked about that you don't think are appropriate. So if you're really listening to just hear about war games and, and you think that explicit language or inappropriate topics like, I don't know, beheadings, like beheadings. or stuff like, yeah. like that uh, might bother you, then probably it's not the podcast for you. And that's fine because we really aren't trying to grow or become famous people or anything. So uh, we're being invited like, to a, a podcasting network or anything like that. That's yeah, really we're trying not to even we're even trying not to grow as people. So <laughs> we're exactly where we are. Um, so that's it. Take it or leave it. If yeah. uh, you think that stuff will bother you, just stop listening. Say you know, yeah. In fact, you're not allowed to listen to any more episodes. So, um, and so one of the things we've, we've been doing for the past few episodes is, uh, what we'll do is we have a guild on, uh, on BGG, the Advanced After Combat Guild, and occasionally, we'll, well, like, not occasionally, every episode we bring in, uh, a guild member from the guild and they basically are our mystery host. For the episode, sometimes we do repeats. Uh, this particular mystery host that we have, this episode is a new host. So uh, basically, just introduce ourselves. I'm Dave, uh, and then there's Jason. Hello. And the mystery host for this episode is Mike the Duck. Hello. So Mike, use your real voice. Don't use that voice. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I got, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. So, so, I didn't um, quack or anything. So, yeah. So that, that, um, that Northwest Timber. Mike, Mike is known by like Mike or Mike the Duck or Duck. You don't call him like the Duck or it's just Duck, right? You'll answer to Duck. Uh, whatever, Dave. Whatever okay. you want to call me. Or, or fish, right? At first, I'm not Marshall thought it was a fish. Yeah, I'm Marshall thought one, it was a fish. I'm not the only one that uses this nickname. Uh, we were on Vassal last night, and there were quite a few people calling you the Duck. So oh no, no. Well, it's all my it's all my avatar now too, right? So, what's the story behind you getting that nickname? I I do like the new avatar, by the way. Yeah, oh, I like it. That's funny. The nickname's from you, dumbass. Uh, what? You 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 saw my picture on uh, either Skype or Facebook, and it has my son wearing a uh, Oregon sweatshirt, and so you're like, oh, you're a duck fan. I'm like, no, <laughs> but then you start calling me Mike the Duck. Do you not remember that? Um, you're a terrible storyteller, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, that was that, that was not a good, that was not a good story. Is is your headphone fuck? Is your headset fucking this up again? I don't know. Do you it's, hear? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. scratchy. Are you using like some kind of equipment that you can take off? I am. Uh, you want me to try and change it up to another one? Yeah, can you? Because I'm noticing the same it's, stuff. It's static. Time. Yeah. All right, hold on. Yeah. And this is all staying in the podcast, by the way. Right. Of course. <laughs> Well, Ralph calls it the sound of frying bacon, so I thought that might be a good one. <laughs> that, does sound, a, that does sound delicious. I always feel like he, he's flying a kite while we're playing this. Uh, yeah. 
Alright, I'm gonna go dark for a while. Okay. Alright, let's talk bad about him while he's away. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I guess this is the risk you take, you know, with mystery yeah, hosts. With know, noobs. The amateurism. They're not, they're not hardened professionals like us. Yeah, I think part of it is trying too, right? Using equipment and stuff. We just talk into our computers. Well, yeah, and I, I have graduated past using my kid's leapfrog. <laughs> we didn't have these types of problems when I had that type of equipment. Yeah, I just basically blab into an iPad, so I yeah. haven't really noticed too many problems. Yeah, it sounds really nice when I remember to cut out the uh, the background noise. Oh, for but yourself? Well, for all of us, I just cut out, like, just blanket cut out the, the background noise, and it then turns out pretty nicely. Um, mm-hmm. But when I'm too drunk and there's too much pressure to put it up, I, and when I'm harassing I you sometimes forget. <laughs> get it up there. Yeah, the, uh, oh, hey, one other thing, too, while we're waiting. I, I don't know if you do landscaping. Do you guys in Arizona, do you have grass and stuff, or do you have, like, uh, like uh, low-water landscaping? So the house we're moving into has grass, and I'm already planning on killing it all. We'll, we'll keep some in the backyard. My wife likes it. And I t- I've told her as long as she mows it. Hey, Mike, whatever you're doing is not working. That's worse. <laughs> Can you hear me now? It's okay right now. Okay. That, the, my other, uh, headset doesn't work at all, so. Okay, okay, so are you doing something, like, to make this noise happen? Are you moving your head or something like that? I, I don't hear the noise, so. No. No, we realize you don't hear it because you'd be going insane. <laughs> but everyone else will. <laughs> so how do I know if I'm doing something to make it happen, Dave? Think mo- about that. Move your head. I'm moving my head. No. Okay. That's good. How about if I do this? Yes. Yes. Yeah, All right. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to do that unless you're pissing me off. What, what, what was that that you just did? That's It's like the wire that goes into the computer. Yes. Stop touching that wire. Okay. <laughs> To, I'm a fidgeter though, so you just, just yell at me. It'll, it'll, it'll be amusing every time. Go get a beer bottle and peel the label off or something. Yeah, it'll be fa- it'll be tremendously amusing to us, not to the guy who's driving on the freeway to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you should have a beer in each hand, so I don't understand why you're fiddling with anything. Yeah, that's true. I do. I have I have one scotch in my right hand. Or mm. type on the internet. That sounds much better than than okay. static. So it's clearly the cord that's the problem. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try and leave it alone. Can you tape it down or something? You're going to have to wait for me to go find some tape. No, fuck it. Just, just <laughs> this is too much work, man. Okay. Yeah, so I was going to mention about the grass. So uh, I bought that. I don't know if you've seen on TV, they've got this uh, green stuff you're supposed to be able to spray on your yard. And oh it like, makes like a thick mousse. And it like looks like it's like foam. And then it looks perfect. Like you just foam on the spots. And it's like, uh, and then the grass grows. They have a carpet, and they do it on the carpet, and they hang the carpet up, and the grass actually grows on oh, the carpet. Oh, wow. Complete waste of money. Yeah? Sounds sounds about right. Yeah, I mean... I it, can't it, imagine it, why that wouldn't work out great, Dave. Well, it comes with, like, a little uh, plastic sprayer, so you screw your hose in one end. And basically all it did was uh, spray, uh, like, green ink dye mixed with seed on my on the ground. <laughs> all around my grass on the sidewalk it gets all over the place on your hands so it's it's on that as seen on tv do not invest in it and then of course i looked back at the reviews afterwards and they were all terrible yeah you know, so you got to tear all that crap out so we're just going with uh palm trees and rock like gravel yeah like you do like different colored gravel or stuff like that i'm gonna do like a trench of river rock um our house pad isn't 
constructed correctly, so I'm going to create a drainage away from the house, and then, yeah, just like a red gravel around it. Nice. This is very interesting, I know. No, I mean, I think that's cool because I hate my lawn, so... Oh, I hate it, yeah. I'm... I pulled weeds this morning and had to take a nap because anything outside and I get grumpy. So, Mike, you live in Oregon, so you must have, like, knee-high grass. Yeah, yeah. It's a pain in the ass. I would live in a condo if my wife would let me. You should get a goat. (laughs) I love goats. They can take care of that stuff for you. Yeah. That's my mission. I want a goat. So the duck is our uh, mystery host, and he's fixed his sound problem. He's not going to touch the wire anymore. Uh, but now that I'm mentioning it, I know he's staring right at yep. it. And it's incredible <laughs> Don't. Now, uh, Duck, you're into like, are, your, your career is like a computer-based career? Essentially, yeah. Now, I've, I've noticed that a lot of guys who play board war games are actually into computers, we like occupationally. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, because I think you guys would tend to be more into like computer gaming, but maybe it's like a way to get away from the computers. Well, except we play Vassal on the computer. No, I love doing stuff on the computer. Okay. I play computer games, but um, I don't know. The computer can't really... Even the computer games, I like to know how to play and like what's going on behind. I see. And so that's why I like war games. So you don't... The, the aspect where the computer does a lot of the number crunching, you prefer to see how the numbers work out yourself. Yeah, that's right. That's interesting. Like, And do you like like the uh, the tactile... Uh, aspect of having the game there, or yeah. are you just as good playing Vassal? I think I'm more good playing Vassal than some people that absolutely need it, but I can, I can appreciate, you know, there's nothing more than I love than like sitting out, you know, with a big game, you know, like a two mapper or something with plexiglass on it, you know, nicely clipped counters and just kind of looking at it from different angles. I like that too, and pushing the counters around. I can appreciate that too. So you don't. If you had to choose, would you would you rather do a face to face game or would you rather do a vassal game? I if I had to choose, I guess I'd go face to face. But vassal's good too. And I'm not going to ask Jason that question because I think Jason would prefer to never do face to face. I like face to face. Who do I, you play face to face? I with? just don't have time. I oh. I I went out and played uh, two weeks ago. It was very exciting. I left the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a brave new adventure. What'd you play? Far in the Lake. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Who did you play with, Rick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and some very, very loud um, gentleman who was unpleasant to play with. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so, part so, of why I don't. Yeah, of course. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Were you just loud during the game, or just, just loud about the game? Yeah, just loud in general. He would make jokes about killing. Um, and I apologize to all of our liberal listeners, but uh, th- this is quoting. He would joke about killing gooks and just to boom and laugh at his own jokes for you know, way longer than than is necessary or acceptable. Um, just, yeah, would have rather not played with him. Enrico showed up, and he wanted a spot, but I guess that guy had claimed it first and... It was uncomfortable for everybody involved. Hey, Mike, what's your what's your worst face to face gaming experience? Gosh, I haven't had many bad ones. Really? Um, 
I, I don't play that much face to face. There's a, a bunch of guys I play with, but you don't want to hear about them because they. I started wargaming with one of the guys, and then he's like, "I've got this 18xx group. Would you want to join them?" And uh, they're all good guys, and they're all like mellow. And um, I, I haven't ever, uh, you know, I'm kind of like Jason. I haven't ever gone to, you know, I, I'm very hesitant to go to a game store and just start playing. So I, I don't have, you know, kind of the a hole stories. Um, but I, you know, I have another story maybe I'll tell later about, uh, or I can tell now. Um, I found another gaming group that's like five miles from my house, and so uh, I started playing OCS with a guy, and he's awesome too. So I don't have any bad experiences yet. That's nice. Yeah, that's lucky. My my worst experience I've already talked about, about Constant World. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty yeah. bad. Playing with that guy, so, and I'm not talking about Rick. I'm talking about the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so Mike, what's what's the first war game you ever played? Um, so when I was about, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, uh, there was a game store down, in, and I lived in Baltimore, and there was a this game store, I don't remember what it's called, um, but they had these small little mini games, and they had this game called GEV, you've probably heard mm. of it, it's the, sure. the successor to Ogre, and I got that, and that was like, wow, this is just you know, I had been playing Monopoly and all that kind of crap. Risk, I think. And I enjoyed Risk. We would have epic Risk sessions with, uh, you know, all the family at the beach and stuff. And we'd all, you know, it was fun because my uncle was a total ham. And, you know, he would yell things about world domination and, you know, things with whatever, however you say, Kamachua or something. You know, that province. But, oh, Kamchaka you know, was, or whatever that province is. Kamchaka. The Kamchaka hordes are raining down on Indonesia or whatever, you know, he would, and so it was a heck of a lot of fun for a young kid. Uh, but then I had this, G, and I'm like, I got GEV, which I think is a lot better than Ogre. You know, the original Ogre was, you know, he didn't have any stacking and it, it was all just very simple. GEV added the, the hovercraft, which could move twice. And um, then you had different terrain types and stuff. And the map was a lot more attractive than the Ogre map. And I, I played the heck out of that game. I still have it. It's all worn out, but that was my first. That's awesome. And and right now, what do you think your current favorite game is? Don't touch the wire. I'm I'm not, dude. It's just like, it's sensitive. Um, It's a tough one. I I mean, so I just started playing Reluctant Enemies with this guy. And OCS, it's like, oh, it's just friggin' awesome. It is great. I mean, and I just can't wait to play more of that. So that's kind of my, maybe my new hot number one, but, you know, the great campaigns, that whole series, I, it's just, the rules just, they're not super complicated, and the maps are beautiful, and when I'm playing that game, I feel like, you know, I can feel like I can look down on the map and see the dudes, you know, running around, and I, I love that game. So that'll be my number one. Yeah, they're, trying, they're trying to march on the roads, get there first, and set right. up, and they're exhausted or tired, or, yeah, that is a good yep. game. You're asking them to, you know, Run, you know, and Jackson can get his troops to move a little bit faster. And my, and I, you know, the one I played the most is probably Stonewall in the Valley, which some people think is the hardest, but it's, it's a, that one, you know, in the Valley campaign, it's all about movement and how Jackson was able to jump around and get the jump on the Union generals. And that to me is the, it's the best example in the series. Yeah, I thought that, uh, speaking of OCS, one of the things I've always liked about OCS was, that even though the uh, rules have been modified and perfected and improved, they're always backwards compatible to any of the other games. So yeah. it's not like what I heard with GTS, where they're coming out with a new 
the uh, greatest day or whatever that um, they're gonna they're actually changing the way some of the counters are so they're not necessarily going to be backwards compatible you know they've had to make some changes to the way the game works um, whereas OCS you can get a, a copy of uh, Burma or Korea or and and with the 4.1 rules or Sicily and it works just the same way so yep. It's a nice system. Did you so. did you order Korea? I got Korea yesterday. I already have it. I already had it. Did oh, you, you had the previous order. I got did, the reprint. Did you get Burma on the Ziploc? I already had Burma. Hmm. I did from the butterscotch thing though. I got up at five a.m. and I ordered uh, Africa and um, Stalingrad Pocket, the two SCS games. Yeah, the only OCS title I don't have is Sicily. Uh yeah, I don't have that either. I, I, I the the Sicily is an awesome. Topic. I, I, that's one of my must haves. Well, yeah, I mean, must have. I really like to have Sicily. Yeah, it's expensive. It is expensive. Do it's you, not quite you, case blue, but it's pretty much. It's pretty do you have DAC too? I do have DAC too. That's a great one too. I spent a lot of money getting that, but it was actually, well, it was reasonably priced, but the guy was in Australia. That's probably why it was reasonably priced. So shipping mm-hmm. was high. Are you going to Constant World Expo? That's my plan. Straight. Sweet. Yep. You like to hear. So, the yeah, duck is in. The duck is in, so I'm ready for some monster gaming. We will have a legion with us this year. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's nice too, because the problem was like, in the evenings, I didn't always know enough guys. Jason takes off, so he's gone. Right. So he would, yeah. yeah, he would just abandon me at the convention. <laughs> so. I won't abandon you, man. Yeah, see, so we gotta get we'll, more we'll, guys. We'll have some, uh, we'll have some guild people there. It'll be fun. Yeah, so that's good. That's so it. my wire is, it's on my knee. It's sliding off. I'm gonna move it back. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey, so we uh, we had a fantasy football draft. Uh, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know, right? Do, Do we need to, to talk about with, this? Do Vance have to come at football? I want to say something real quick because Jason, uh, we're getting ready. Baby. We're getting ready to do the draft, and uh, I think <laughs> I drafted like second or third, and I'm like, where the fuck is Jason? Yeah. I mean, basically, I I I think I emailed him like. Five minutes before the draft. He texted said, me and said, are you yeah. online? Shit. He's, and he's like texting me like, turning on my computer now. <laughs> no. I so, completely forgot about it. He almost missed his draft spot. And uh, like, I, I thought I had a decent, it was kind of fun because the, it was an online draft and I'd never done the online draft before. And you've got basically two minutes to make your picks. And guys are schmack talking. But it's really easy to get uh, thrown off and then panic at the last minute. Because yeah. there was a moment where I was thinking, oh, maybe I should get a receiver or a running back. And then I'm like, okay, there's 45 seconds. I really need to figure out what I need. Okay, 30, so 20. Like, then I'm like, fuck, and I ended up drafting Matt Prater by accident because I like panic click the draft thing. And then I found out he was suspended. So I ended up drafting two kickers. Sweet. Which should have been a warning sign for me about the draft because I also drafted Adrian Peterson. Mm. Yeah. Well, you yeah, couldn't have known at the that's time. That's bad news. Yeah, I actually have. I'm in two leagues. I have him in both leagues. So yeah. it's. I mean, he's a good player, just not a great father. Parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm hosed. I'm totally screwed. Yeah. I'm, uh, well, you're. I mean, right now, what we're the three of us. Are pretty much the basement of that league, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jeff's in the middle there somewhere. Jeff, Jeff's yeah. Rent boy throws it in too. Yeah, I am DFL. It's not looking good for me. So, I think my projected points are like sixty-five or seventy because <laughs> I'm also all on buys. All my guys are yeah, on buys. Yeah, I have a bunch so, of yeah. people on buy too. 
performs. And of course, I'm playing, I think, uh, somebody who's decent. So, But it was fun. I thought the draft was a good idea. The football league's fun. Drafting, I'd never drafted Adrian Peterson before in any league I've been in. This was the first year I drafted them both, and a complete fucking disaster. And, and I hate to say it, but again, the first thing you think is, I saw that he, he hit his kid, and I thought, holy shit, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so sensitive. I was just like, my wife's like, oh, that's horrible. I said, yeah, I know, I'm fucked. <laughs> he's like, no, I meant to spank him. Forget about the kid, man. What about me? Yeah, I'm like, he's 40 years old. I have real problems. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, hey, so um, we've got a quiz, Mike. Of course. Now, the quiz is optional. Yeah, right. I always throw that out there. It's nope. optional. I, I'm ready, man. I'm ready for someone to... to to take that option of an out and say, no, you know, I'm, I'm good. Oh, yeah, that just the humiliation. I think, I, think I, would be, uh, I would be forced out of the guild. Right? Yeah, there would be shaming for... There would be shaming. Now, I'm going to say something real quick because it, it is a name four quiz. This might be the last name four quiz that we do because, God, it's fucking hard to come up with the four format. So yeah. it, it might go to like a, just a general 20-question quiz. Which, while that sounds even harder, it's actually easier than me trying to come up with these groups of four. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, the other, uh, the other side comment is, this may be the only actual work I have to do for the podcast. So maybe I shouldn't complain about having to put it together. I know, that's more than I do, so. Yeah, but you, you at least have to edit it, right? Yeah, for, yeah. The three seconds that takes me <laughs> when I do it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, so this is going to be the name for quiz. It's a quiz that we we give all the mystery hosts, and uh, there's 20 points. So basically, there's five questions. The first four questions are theoretically normal questions, and the fifth question is the bonus question. the The best part about the quiz is we've gotten some great answers that have gone down in guild <laughs> history, in podcasting yeah. history. Yeah, I, I don't even I don't even think I can top some of Lucas's answers. <laughs> I'll try, I can try. I'll try and come up with something more humorous. Well, in Lucas's defense, he was halfway through his first beer. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes him pretty much legally intoxicated at that point. At that point, Lucas is like tipping cows after a quarter of a beer. Okay, so the, the first question, uh, is, is, Name four battleships that were present in Pearl Harbor during the Japanese attack. Oh, oh man, I am going to get shit for this. Um, the number five. I try to throw some patriotic questions in there, so you'll be even more embarrassed that you don't know the answers to these. No, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You can find. I can tell you why I should be embarrassed. But okay, Nevada's one. Check. Um. Shit. Oklahoma. Yep. Yep. Um, the Arizona, of course. There you go. Yep. Thank you. Um, uh, battleships, battleships, battleships. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah, the reason why I should get this, and, and yes, I am stalling, is, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I put together, this guy's making a game on Pearl Harbor. And I've actually got, I've been, I made these freaking counters, dude. <laughs> this is just how bad it is. So at least I get three out of four. Uh, is it a solitaire game? It, it can be played solitaire. It's still pretty early in 
playtesting. Jason, but, let's not make this all about you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any other way. <laughs> but um, I'm just, uh, I, how would you have play the guess? inheritance? Uh, it's just how bad my friggin' brain is. Um, yes. Um, I'm 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 thinking I'm going through the states, man. California. Got it. Yep. Absolutely got it. It's four out of four. Good start. That's uh, yeah, it's not uh, going to last. Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Maryland, and West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. I knew the Missouri wasn't there. That's kind of you know. Yeah. It's there now. It's not wasn't there then. There was always a famous story about an, an MP working the main gate and in uh, Schofield Barracks, who some Japanese tourists pulled up and asked them where the Arizona was, and he told them it's right where you left it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah, it's kind of sad, but it's funny. <laughs> uh, okay, so question four. Okay, so Wait, after question the, two. I uh, no, question two of the name four quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, after World War II, the Soviets designed a variety of main battle tanks. Name four post-World War II Soviet main battle tanks by their designation. Uh, all right, I'm go- I can get one, the T-72. Okay. That's probably going to be about it. I, don't, I can just name numbers. <laughs> T-70? No. Uh, that counts as one of your answers. That's fine. Uh, the T-68 and the T-82. I'm wrong. Okay. It's a T-54-55, T-62, T-64, T-80, T-90. Oh, I could have gotten the T-80. I should have known that. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, five out of eight. Not bad. Um, this one I feel bad for you, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> question three is name four provinces of Republican Rome. Oh shit. Uh yeah, I'm just gonna say Rome. No. No. Uh Latvia. <laughs> nice nice pull. Um I'm gonna go for a Lucas answer and say Angola. No, I mean you can even name random parts of the Mediterranean and maybe get some of these right. Um Carthage. I don't know, dude. No. Um, do you want me to tell you what they are, or do you even care? Oh, sure, you can tell. Sicilia, Corsica, and Sardinia. Uh-huh. Uh, Gallia Cisalpina, which is, you know, basically Gallia, Gaul on this side of the Alpines, or the Alps. On that uh, side. Hispania Ceterior, Hispania Ulterior, Illyricum, Macedonia, Africa. Now, technically, Carthage could be Africa, but I think they were actually fighting a war with Carthage. Yeah, so I, don't Car- I knew Carthage was a throwaway. Asia. I, I, I wouldn't have gotten any of these. Asia? Yeah. Uh, parts of Anatolia like and Asia Minor. Gallia Transalpina, which is southern France, Gaul across the Alps. Uh, Cilicia, Bithynia, Crete, and Cyrenaica. Don't even know how to pronounce that. Corduene, Cilicia, and Cyprus, Syria, and Egyptus. Wow. But I would have taken the English answers. Egypt yeah, was. I didn't even, you know, I didn't think he, uh, Republican Rome was that big. I thought it was after that. Well, think about Caesar. it. Caesar, right? But Egypt was around. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I should, I should know better. I should know better. Up with Cleopatra. I was listening to that History of Rome podcast, which is awesome. But well, I'm, I'm glad I you learned a lot from that podcast. Yeah, I did. You can tell. 
Dude, I was literally, I was working on the counters for this Pearl Harbor game yesterday, and I can barely remember four battleships. Come on. <laughs> this okay, is so, the level of intelligence you're dealing with. So question four is going to deal with the uh, Napoleonic period? Yeah, this is going to be good. Okay. Um, I, you need to sort these four Napoleonic battles in chronological order. Okay. Lutz, Lutzen, Marengo, Austerlitz, and Wagram. Uh, or, or Wagram, as Americans pronounce it. I believe it's pronounced Wagram. I believe. I so. can't even remember the four you read. I'll yeah, go write, write them you down. Can, you can write them down, but not near the wire. Luthen, Lutzen, L U T Z E N. Oh. Marengo. Uh huh. Austerlitz. It's a famous one. Yeah. But I, well, not to say that they aren't all famous, but Wagram. Alright. I'll go with Wagram, Lutzen, Marengo, Austerlitz. Okay. How are you gonna score that? Sim, Marengo, Austerlitz. Wagram, Lutzen, Marengo. Well, the good news is he got all of them wrong. So yeah, that's easy. Man, yeah, I made so that's a zero. Scoring is much easier. All right, let's see. Because uh, Marengo was uh, uh, in Italy in 1800. Uh, Austerlitz was one of Napoleon's big victories, I believe, against the Austrians in 1805. Wagram was in 1809, and then Lutzen was in 1813 during the battles in Prussia. Yeah, I did really badly there. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird because I can never be sure which ones guys are gonna uh no, I, do well which ones they are. Like I thought you'd get the, the post World War Two tanks one. I thought you were into like more modern stuff. I I am and I have MBT, I just haven't gotten it out recently, so Okay. Okay, so this now here's the bonus. So the bonus question is traditionally gonna be a little more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Stonewall Jackson, the famous Union, the famous Union general, (laughs) had his his arm amputated at Chancellorsville, but he died a few days later. Name four Civil War generals who had limbs amputated but survived and continued their military careers. Wow! Well, I know one. Okay. Sickles. Yep. Yep. So got a camera. now, Sickles never fought in battle, but he stayed in the army afterwards. He was never allowed to fight in combat again. Um, that might have been based on this performance at Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> More than the leg. Well, not his own assessment of his performance. Right. And actually, I agree with Sickles' assessment, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Right. Uh, gosh, limbs amputated. I don't know. I'm just going to guess. I don't know. Beauregard, wow. Beauregard Johnston. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, I know, like, Grant Lee never had anything amputated. Um, uh, I don't know. Hancock. But he didn't survive. Never mind. But that's my guess. Yeah, I believe his head was amputated. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) But he didn't Uh, continue serving. So Dick, Dick Ewell, Richard Ewell, uh, was shot in the leg, had his leg amputated, and then actually had the wooden leg shot again at Gettysburg. Uh, Hood lost the use of his arm and then later on had his leg shot and amputated. So he couldn't use his arm and he only had one leg. Ouch. Continued to fight. Uh, Oliver Howard lost his arm and then continued to fight for the Union. Uh, and then there was another guy who, who 
lost an arm and a foot in two separate battles. He was a lesser-known general. But Ewell, Hood, Sickles, and Howard are, are the big ones. But, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten any of those, probably. Yeah, it's amazing. Maybe Ewell. I, mean, I think I've always heard that maybe that was one of the things, like Hood was so crazy by the end of the war because he'd been, so he was basically like the guy from like Monty Python. <laughs> Just what's a scratch. <laughs> he was missing like all of his limbs. Yeah. Oh, so, so let's see. So that was a six, four, five, six, yeah. six out of twenty. Not the worst. Am I the worst? Um, we don't. We don't keep track. Oh, okay. Yeah, but if we did, that Whoa. sounds like it, that sounds like pretty bad. <laughs> but you, you didn't embarrass yourself. You didn't embarrass yourself. Yeah, I started off strong and then just collapsed. Yeah. Whoever did it in August got five. Oh, really? It was Lucas. That was Stonewall Jackson, the Union General. Yes. Wow. So you beat Lucas. Congratulations. Okay. Woohoo! So, uh, you, you guys have played, uh, have you guys played a lot of multiplayer war games? Like, where you get a bunch of guys together and you're all playing in one night? Uh, if the coin games count as war games, then yes. So, so Jason, your favorite is what? What's your favorite multiplayer war game? Um, well, I would have to say Fire in the Lake. Okay. Yeah. Um, I haven't played some of the bigger ones like Angola, um, or the more popular ones. But yeah, Fire in the Lake's really good. What about you, Mike? Have you played any, uh, multiplayer games where you get a bunch of guys together? I have not. I, I always liked, um. What about you, Dave? I liked the Napoleonic Wars. I thought that was a good one. But I think the my favorite one, one that. The card driven game? Yeah, it's like yeah. a card driven one, like on the. Where each guy plays a different nation, mm-hmm. but I think my favorite multiplayer one is uh, Twilight Imperium. Oh that's yeah, I, w- I wouldn't consider that a war game, but yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. Why why wouldn't you consider? Well, that I would, <clears throat> no, I wouldn't. It's not that I wouldn't consider it. I just don't think of it as a war game. Despite the fact that there's like a war card, isn't there a warfare card? Yeah, I'm sure, and there's a lot of fighting. It's just I don't know. I think of it as sci-fi? a sci-fi game. Yeah, yeah. Most of the people who play it. Don't drift into war games too. I think a lot of war gamers might play it. I've never played that one. I've always kind of been interested in it. But yeah, a lot of those those sci-fi multiplayer games are really good. Yeah, it's it's an awesome game, uh, but it is long. That's the one thing it can get very long. We you know, so. we play Eclipse with my family a lot. My family loves Eclipse. Yeah, I mean, it's not so as good. epic as Twilight Imperium, but it, it but it's good. It captures I mean, the same feeling. Right. It just feel. It often feels like. You're like, oh, it's ending, and you know, you're just embarking on galactic domination. But it's a good game. Yeah, the problem with Twilight Imperium was always like the first two guys to fight a war usually were going to be out of it yeah. because then other people yeah. just take advantage of the game. But and that's usually cool. me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always would get into some saber rattling with like mm-hmm. a neighbor, and then we'd, we'd be <laughs> off to the races and be out of it, battling each other. Yeah. Mine's better so, than yours. Come at me. But it was cool too because it has a political system where you can like get control of the Senate and pass laws and like you know like penalize your enemies and the, the legislation. And, so there was kind of a cooler aspects of it. I thought. Yeah, that's fun. It is good. I like that game, so I recommend it. But it is sci-fi. But you know, we are we are war gaming. I mean, that doesn't mean we can't do sci-fi. Yeah, war for sure. I, yeah, it's, it's just when people say war game, I I still consider those conflict games as part of our hobby. But when people say War game, I think of historical for the most part. Yeah. So, so Mike, do you have a game that you'd like to review? I do. Okay. Is this a game you've played recently? Um, 
defined recently. I played it within the last year. Okay. I have gone through and I did, I did actually prepare a little bit. I've gone through and I refreshed myself on like the scale, for example, 400 kilometers per hex. Oh, now, very nice. Wow. No, it's not. It, you guys, this is a, it's, it's going to get loud here in a minute. It's starting to storm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I can hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the game I was going to review is the Battle of Adobe Walls. It's a Legion oh, nice. War Games game. Um, it's the subject is, Obviously, what the title is, but that was a battle that happened in the northern little bump of Texas in 1864 uh, between the uh, Union, uh, I mean the U.S. government army, uh, mostly cavalry, under the command of Kit Carson, who most of you probably heard of, sure. uh, against the Kiowa, and I'm probably butchering names, but you know, please forgive me, and the Comanche. Um, so it had the potential, this battle had the potential to be another little bighorn. So basically you had Kit Carson and his kind of smallish force. You know, they, the Indians had been raiding the trade routes and so they were sent out to kind of clean things up. They came upon a small camp, um, they kind of rousted them out and then down the river was a much larger camp. And, you know, you can imagine Kit Carson going, oh shit. Um, but, um, and the game really captures that well, and I'll get into that in a minute. But it's uh, part of a series, Indian Wars in the American West. This is a, officially the copy I have says Volume 1. I believe these are kind of re-implementations of this system. There is a little bighorn that came out from Kyber Press, Kyber Pass game. Um, and, but Legion is reprinting them. They're on the, you know, the CPO list that moves at the super fast pace that we all love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they have a Battle of Rosebud that's on there too. So it's in, and I like the system a lot, as you'll see. So, um, the scale is, your, your units are about, you know, company scale. Um, you, you have strength points, and in the book it says one strength point is ten men. Um, and most of the units are in the three to seven strength point, uh, range, both the Indians and the U.S. Army. Um, one hex is a quarter mile. Um, so there's the scale. I think there's, you know, a turn is in the hour range. Um, the components are great. Uh, I don't know if you guys aren't familiar with Legion War games. They have the easy punch counters, right? So the counters come. They're when they do the punching, they're like almost ready to fall off. So they wrap them in saran wrap. So as soon as you pull that saran wrap off, and that's not me, that's Jason Storm. Uh, wow, that, it's almost like that's how you know when Jason might want to say something. Yeah, I'm trying to keep my <laughs> I'm trying to keep my mic <laughs> muted because it's it's really coming down. But that, you know, that, that might be a good way for us to do the podcast. It was a dark and stormy night. Your little interruption <laughs> sound. Yeah, we'll just each have like background music. So as your background music <laughs> comes on, means you want to make a comment. <laughs> um, but. So the components, the, the counters just fall off the screws once you pull, uh, pull the saran wrap off. Um, and, you know, because they cut them so far, you really don't have a little chad hanging off the corner. So I actually, I've been trimming things, but this game, you look at it, it's, you know, if you want a rounded corner, you can still trim it, but I haven't trimmed mine. It's beautiful. The map is gorgeous. I mean, it's the kind of the desert area of Texas, and you can really tell. You, you can, like, I love maps and you can just feel like you're there it's just it's a gorgeous map and all the components you know i mean it's 
like the the rule book's black and white, not glossy. Some people may prefer that. I actually don't mind it at all. The player aids are mostly black and white, but they're on cardstock. Um, the components are really nice. It, you know, it's not blinged out to the ultimate degree, but I would give the components, you know, definitely an A for a grade. Um, so I talked about the scale. In terms of, like, the rules, the rule book is 26 pages. The last, I don't know how many pages, four pages or so are kind of scenario information. So in the order of 20, 22 pages of rules, um, it's basically an I-go-you-go type game structure, but in it's, you know, it's tactical. So there are two opportunities in your opponent's turn for you to fire. Um, there's opportunity fire. So instead of like preventing you from leaving a zone of control, whenever they leave your zone of control, you get to fire opportunity fire if you want, uh, which is kind of a neat mechanic. Okay, so, and then, so you do op fire when they leave as opposed to when they enter? Correct. Okay. Yep. And then, um, the, and then there's a reaction fire where you can fire whatever you want. Now, and the, the thing is that, um, there's a couple variants to the rules, and uh, one of the things is you can decide to track the ammo. Because in the actual battle, um, so it wasn't a little bighorn, because Kit Carson, I mean, this was actually a pretty masterful thing that he did. He kind of retreated back. He even set grass fires mm-hmm. um, to block the Indians from being able to flank him, because he was, you know, outnumbered quite a bit. Um, and so, you, but he only had so much ammo. His uh, his supply pack trains were way behind him. Uh, and so you only have so much ammo. Uh, so you can't, you know, you don't want to just go pop an opportunity fire at every instance. Uh, even if you can play with one variant where every time you fire, there's a chance you go low ammo. Or there's another variant where you actually track how much ammo. And each unit has ten units of ammo. Uh, each uh, cavalry rifle uh, unit has ten units. So you got to, it's not like, I can, I can, I mean, I've only played it solo, but I mean, I'm thinking like, eh. It's not really a good shot. I'm just not going to fire it. Now, how many how many cavalry units are there in the game? Well, so get an idea of the numbers. uh, It's on the order of on the on the U.S. Army side. It's about ten to fifteen, and then the the Indians have uh, about twenty twenty five or so. Um, So you're definitely the Indians, and there's a lot of cool little chrome in this. For example, you know it's mostly cavalry. There's a variant that I've never played that. Where they, there's an infantry um, regiment, not a regiment, I think it's a company that Kit Carson had that can come up, and the you know the infantry is awesome because in like melee they're like you know unstoppable because you know these guys are like Civil War dudes, right? Um, but you know compared to cavalry, cavalry are used to running away. But when you wanna, you can dismount. You know units can be mounted or dismounted, and um, so there's two different unit modes. And when you dismount the U.S. Army. Um, you have to have horse holders, sure. so you lose one of your, you know, one of your strength points for for the guys to hold the horses. And then if you know if something happens to those horse holders, the cavalry can't, you know, your horses are gone. Um, the so other thing, they're, what, they're they're like permanently dismounted at that correct. point. Yeah, yeah, they can capture horses too. Um, so there's all these kind of little chromey things that I like. And then the whole scenario, just I, I kind of like asymmetric things because I think it makes for like interesting choices to make so um at the beginning the indians are all kind of you know to to replicate the indians being surprised they're all kind of sitting in their camp and so as soon as the the u.s army crosses a certain line then they can start to move and they have to go up and all their horses are off to the side they have to send their their 
boys up to go get the horses, bring them back, and then they can mount up. Um, it, it's really, I mean, you really, I, you know, I did a session report in BGG and it just captures, like, I just felt like, you know, at first the Union, cause the Union Army gets victory points for even occupying the, um, Adobe walls, which was an old fort. So you just have to get a unit in there. And then pretty much you want to get it a unit in there and you want to run away. But I'm like, eh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the U.S. Army. I keep saying I'll union. They were a union. I, I'm going to try and hold it. And the Indians just like, it was like a swarm of bees. They just <laughs> came out and there was just, you know, eventually the Union Army got surrounded, beat down and ran out of ammo. So, so what kind of strategies in the game work for the Indians? I don't know that the Indians have, in fact, people have come up with a solitaire variant that does the Indians. The Indians, you know, the, the things you have to worry about as the Indians are, how do I attack a larger force, but I outnumber them, right? So you want to kind of, it's like this surround and, you know, you don't want, you want the Union not to be able to run away. That's what I think works best for the Indians. Um, I mean, then, do the Indians have any kind of advantages like in melee or Firepower no. or movement? No, or? no, they're, they have disadvantages and all. Their main advantage is they're faster, a little bit faster when they're mounted, and um, there's more of them. Hmm. And actually, then there's a point in the game where you can bring the Indians into melee. If they lose so many um, strength points as a as a whole, you cannot do melee with the Indian units anymore, which is kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, we're, yeah the Indian leaders are kind of going... <laughs> Go get those guys, and the Indians are going. No way, man. Right. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's a good system. I'm I'm definitely on the pre-order for the other two. You know, the biggest problem is just waiting. Right. Um, but you know, in terms of um, and, and you can set grass fires. Another cool chromy thing, right? So you say a unit has to expend like three movement points, and it can set a grass fire, and then you roll when you set the grass fire, and you put a marker down. And it can be, it can last up to eight turns, which I think each turn is half an hour. So it can last up to four hours and they block line of sight and you can't move through them. So, so is the, is the game winnable as the Indians? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. In my solo plays, the Indians won both times. Okay. But I do, I tend to do stupid things with the U.S. Army. So I haven't really figured out, you know, I'm not as smart as Kit Carson apparently. I haven't and, figured and out how. Is Kit Carson represented in the game? Yes, he is. He's a, there are leader counters. They give you, you know, there's, they do rallying. Um, they improve your, your ability to melee. Um, you know, the standard kind of thing leader counters do. And they have different leader ratings. And if, you know, if a leader gets killed, you get a replacement counter that sucks, of course. And... That sounds cool. It is cool. It's, it's a fun game. Um, so how much, how much is the game? So on our, Favorite retailer who shall not be named. Um, it's thirty three bucks. One to ten. That's almost fun. half the price of it is so on I'm, Legion. What'd you say, Jay? It's almost half the price of that it is on Legion. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good deal on. You know, yeah, NWS has made kind of a comeback. Yes, they have. So. Uh, um, on a one to ten scale for fun, I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's an excellent game. The one knock I would put on it. It's kind of like your review of um, Red Winter. It, it doesn't. It's not. I worry a little bit about replayability. You know, I have so many games; it probably doesn't matter. But there aren't really a lot of variants. I mean, there's a couple of different. You can bring the supply wagons in and stuff, but it's really one fight. Um, but it's it's a great game. Um, and then um, on a beers, I'm gonna give it shots of whiskey since I, you know, this may shock you guys, but I don't drink beer. Um, no, we don't judge. No. Okay, good. Uh, I'm gonna give it like four, 
because you know they're the chrome is kind of hard to keep it's not intrinsically difficult um but yeah, there's a lot of chrome to keep track of. i mean do they have rules for like counting coup and stuff like that or is that not no. stuff that was going on so it's just kind of i'm no. not as familiar with the southwestern the fights i know kit carson was a big player down there, I think with the Navajo too. He was, he was. In fact, I've got this Kit Carson book, what Blood and Thunder. I still mm-hmm. need to read it. Oh, I think I have that book. And my dad's very into those, all the scouts and Lewis and Clark and all that stuff going on up yeah. there. Kearney and no, that's cool, man. That's a good review. Yeah, it looks, so, it looks that, awesome. And that's Legion War Games. They have a bunch of really cool games that I really didn't know much about, but we have a lot of guys in the guild who are really into the products that they put out. Yeah, I'm a um, big fan. The downside is, yeah, they, it takes a while for them to come up with their games, but when they do, it seems like they're they're going to be high in quality. So yeah, so I, I mean, I'm I kind of follow them. I'm 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 a fanboy as well, like Jason. But um, who does I know the geek, that, isn't there a geek list for them? One of our guys yeah, does the geek list. I do. Oh, you that do. <laughs> one of our yeah, one of our guys. One of our guys. Yeah, but um, but uh, so I kind of keep keep up with what's going on, and they had it like you know in the last six months. They had a problem with their guys who, whoever makes his counters, like he had to find a new counter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he went through a long period without making it. Now, you say Randy, who is the Legion War game guy says, now, you know, he's going to start cranking them out. Now, I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't hold your breath for that, but, um, yeah, I think you're going to see more games coming out in a shorter period of, period of time. Oh, good, man. That was a good review. Thanks. So, uh, Hey, so some real quick things too I want to talk about. We've got a, uh, we had a chat room in the guild. Uh, Reeves and Campbell wanted to do this chat room thing, so I'd set up a chat room. And I think they used it initially. I don't think, I think it'd become kind of like a graveyard. Uh, it's a private, uh, chat room. But what we did is, guys were asking if we could have a vassal opponent bulletin board. Kind of a, a place where you could ask to see, hey, I'm looking to find a vassal opponent for this type of game. The problem was when guys would post on the guild, your your request would sit there, and then gradually it would be pushed down by all the other posts guys are putting up there, and then no one would ever see it ever again once it got off the front page. So um, we do have I set up the vassal opponent bulletin board over in that private uh, advanced after combat chat room that we have. So if you go to the guild page, it is there. You can log on. You have to get permission to go on. So, so, last, you, so it's that bad how your power went up? Yeah, it was flickering, and I, I thought we'd be okay, but I didn't think about the modem. Um, yeah, so I was talking about the vassal opponent bulletin board. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so basically it's just a bulletin board. You go up there, you post uh, games you're interested in playing guys in vassal, and then they can respond to topics. Or if you wanted to get on there and chat privately with guys, there's chat rooms in there, so whatever. I don't know why you want to do that, but I'm not into chatting in chat rooms, so uh, <laughs> I never really used it much. Like Reeves and Campbell, when they were first chatting, I would get in a. But by the time I type something, they're already on like four topics away, so I just got sick of talking to them. So, uh, but it's available. You just have to sign up, and I'll approve you, and then you get on it. Can both of us it. approve people? Um, yeah, I think maybe you can too. You should be like an yeah, they, or something. They- I get weird stuff. I'm like, all right, I'll send them a message. No, I I I usually do approvals if I see I have something in my inbox. Yeah. So so you can. I would say don't worry about it, Jason. I'll just do it. So. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Campbell came out and visited me. Oh yeah. Last weekend. 
So, uh, we played a little OCS. We played, uh, OCS Tunisia, the Casserine Pass scenario, which is only a three-turn scenario. So that was kind of cool. We got a chance to, to play some OCS and it's a, it's a good, uh, intro scenario for a beginner because the, uh, he plays the Africa Corps and they're like awesome and the U.S. is like terrible, but the victory conditions that the Africa Corps have to achieve are almost impossible. So you, so you have a lot of fun like plowing through all these different uh, allied units, but in the end, you're probably not going to achieve the victory conditions. But it's three turns, and I think he had a good time. Uh, we also played, I tried to get him to play some ASL uh, starter kit. Uh, I don't know if he enjoyed that as much. I think maybe I'm just not good at teaching people <laughs> the ASL starter kit. Because I think I'm 0 for 2. I think I showed Jason it, and Jason was underwhelmed. And uh, Campbell's response was kind of like, hey, let's go back and play some more OCS. <laughs> so I, it, it might just be the people, though. I, it's just not not a scale that I'm wanting to play. I, I can see yeah. the draw for it, though, for sure. I mean, pretty much me with the ASL stuff. Uh, I like Conflict of Heroes. I think it's a great game. I'm fucking done with Academy Games mm-hmm. and their 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 production schedule. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that company right now. I think uh, maybe the Department of Justice needs to seize Conflict Affairs and take it away from that company because <laughs> someone needs to intervene because uh, it's like he I don't know if he's becoming so obsessed with this solo system that he's trying to develop that he keeps pushing all the projects back further and further. Um, and the solar system, I don't even think it's out yet. No. And they've been talking each year it was supposed to be out. And then he wants to upgrade all the other systems, all the other uh, expansions, so that they'll fit in with the solo system. So, I mean, this is a guy where basically they've made three games for the system. Uh, they could have made thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars probably in expansions, if they, instead of trying to perfect it, had just produced just more... Out. Yeah. yeah, just produced more expansions for it. Yeah. So in the meantime, we all just wait around. And uh, so I've grown tired of waiting. And I think know. most people are like you. Everybody loved it when it came out and just wanted more and more and more. And now everyone's just fed up and done with it. And the, the first edition had its problems. Uh, the second edition is great. That's kind of where I jumped in. So I never really had to endure the problems with the first edition. But at this point, and, and when you get on their news page, it's like from 2012. Yeah, no, it's like, terrible. So I don't understand it. Like just update your fucking news that you're putting out. Or it's, it, I'm sick of that. So I'm done with it. So, um, I bought, uh, the ASL, real ASL binder and rules. And I bought, uh, uh, Beyond Valor and Valor of the Guards which is the historical module for Stalingrad. Nice. So that's what I've been messing around with. Um, and, and I wanted to say this, you know, I, I, I had purchased ASL Starter Kit, and I'd been playing it with uh, John uh, from the Guild, and the, the interesting thing about Starter Kit is it, it's not the same set of rules as ASL. They, they, they took some of the rules out in, in the hopes of making it simpler, but the difference is... ASL Starter Kit basically just gives you these, this block of rules and expects you to play the game. But when you get the ASL binder, the ASL binder is like a beautiful binder. I mean, the insides of the binder, you know, like the interior cover is like all color examples of all the units and, and, you know, showing you what everything means on the counters. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the, the rules without buying the binder. I think the binder is really nice. 
Do you know what I mean? Like the the interior cover of it, like like laminated inside is all the explanations of every unit in the game and like what the different things on the counters mean. And uh, the other cool thing is there's a chapter K in the ASL rules that basically walks you through all the rules as if you're oh, in basic, cool. as if you're in basic training. So it's like you're a seven three seven counter or whatever, and I'm your drill sergeant. Here's what we're gonna do. And so you actually get the map out, and he says, "Now march here." And this is like, how much does this cost? Wrong. You're wrong, moron. This is what it costs. <laughs> yeah, so, and he walks you all the way through all these different rules from. And it's called in the game. It's chapter K, and uh, like it's like day three rifle range, and then they have you shooting at stuff and learning how terrain works. And it gives you a bunch of different, like, uh, fire situations, and then day four, close combat. So it's almost like you're going through basic training, and it, you know, it's pages, morale indoctrination, day five, uh, day six, concealment, and it'll start, it'll be like, it shows you the map to use, and he says, ten hut, at ease, this afternoon you will learn how to conceal yourselves from the enemy. So <laughs> it's just, it's a great chapter, and it's like, you don't get any of this in Starter Kit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because you think they would have included something like this. Cause, uh, I find myself going back a lot to this to try to figure out. I go back to this, uh, you know, it's like, this thing's like maybe 40 pages. It's 47, 49, 50 pages, 52 pages of training. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, so on vehicles and, and running through different, like they'll say, okay, you have to get from this hex to this hex. Uh, in this many turns, let's see how you do. And so you have to find the, the best path, and then in the end it'll say, it'll say, well, how'd you do? And you know, it, it's it's like a training guide for the game. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen something like it. I mean, it's really gigantic. So, yeah. so I mean, isn't part of the starter kit appeal though that it's cheap? So they probably that may be part of it. Yeah, but I don't know if it helps you learn the rules at all. Yeah, no, I, I'm agreeing with you, but I'm just saying why it, why it is the way it is. And, and basically, based just on the, the um, infantry rules, what I've some of the stuff I've seen is um, the difference between starter kit and ASL. There, there's rules like bypass movement, where in starter kit, if you're going to move into a hex that has a building, you have to pay to move into the building. In ASL, you can move around the building within the hex. Mm-hmm. By, you can bypass the building. You just don't get the benefits of the terrain if someone shoots at you. So... You don't always have to move through the building. And there's concealment. You can shoot guys as they try to run between two hexes, like between buildings. Uh, just, and, and Valor the Guards do this pretty awesome. I mean, it's basically Stalingrad. You got this huge, giant Stalingrad map, like Pavlov's house. It's all there. You can fight all these, uh, battles. So. That's cool. I don't, I don't understand ASL. I don't, I mean, I, I know some basics. So my method is I just start playing and, then I go back and reread the rules, and I realize I might have done stuff wrong, and then I play it again. So uh, my thing is just get the stuff out there, start pushing the counters around, have fun with it, then reread the rules, and then you'll start to realize things you might have done wrong. Um, so that's what I've been messing with lately. Is uh, I, I had done the ASL starter kit stuff, but I'm actually leaning more towards just playing the ASL. Just get right into it. Yeah, if I, I wish I had a guy around where I live who knew how to play ASL. That would probably make it a lot easier for me. But as it is, I'm kind of having to teach it to myself. So that's it. Is Famous or, Ken not not interested? Uh, I don't know. Well, Famous Ken likes Conflict of Heroes. Hmm. That's the problem. I taught him how to play Conflict of Heroes, and now that's what he wants to play. 
Famous Ken's been kind of avoiding me too. <laughs> Hmm. Nice yeah. So, Jason, you got uh, any games you've been playing? Any reviews you want to do? Sure. Um, I was thinking about doing a system, but I know that's cheating. So I'll just talk about uh, D-Day at Tarawa. And here, we I need a shout-out for Braxton for putting that geek list together, because I thought I had done Omaha Beach, um, so I wasn't going to bother talking about Tarawa, because it's mostly the same game. But... It shows up on there that we didn't actually talk about it, so I can talk about this game. So there's a system, and I don't, I don't, I don't really like where they're taking the system in the in the naming. So there was uh, D-Day at Omaha Beach, which is a phenomenal game, uh, and then John Butterfield put out um, Operation Jubilee and the Strategy and Tactics, and that's um, the Dieppe, you know, Operation Jubilee, but it's using the same system. And then, so they wanted to put more games out in the system, um, and instead of coming up with a new name for it, this Tarawa game is called D-Day at Tarawa. Well, I don't know that it was really referred to as D-Day, um, so that's, I see why they did it, but that's kind of a, a strange tie-in. So now they're doing another one that's also called D-Day. Um, but I mean, Is D-Day just a term for it's the day of the operation? I mean, yeah, technically it is, but... I don't think they really referred to that. Okay. You know, I don't know if the they're, operation they're, had a had a name that they could have used. It sounds it sounds like they're doing it for branding, right? Right, but which is call it of, something else. Call it yeah. John H. Butterfield's Tarawa, and it would have just as much brand rec- rec- right. uh, yeah. recognition. So, anyway, so these are solitaire only games. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> they. They seem to have a high barrier of entry when you just look at them. The maps look kind of confusing. Um, it's a hex map, but there's all these colored and hashed dots. And hey, hey, Jason, I have a question. Mm-hmm. The, the new house you're buying, is it in a neighborhood or is it off in the desert by itself? <laughs> no one around. <laughs> it's underground. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's a mile from my house now. Okay. So we're still in the neighborhood, and I still won't play with anybody. Barbed wire fences. Yeah. Keep out. I don't know what it is. I'm just, I don't know. Because you're a social guy. I don't think that's the I, problem. I am. It's just, it's a time thing for me. My freaking kids are crazy busy. Um, they all have something going on every single day of the week. So it's just it's just hard for me to get out. So do you just kind of escape back into your game area and play a turn or something? Yeah, it'll be late at night. I'll play a couple turns, or early in the morning I'll get up and brew a cup of co- a pot of coffee and then come sit down with it. It's just, it's time, really. And I'm lazy, too, which doesn't help me leave the house. Anyway. so No, we, no judgment, no judgment. Jason. Oh, there's judgment, I know. We, we have this conversation every other month or so. <laughs> So looking at these maps, um, there's there's colored dots all around it, and a lot of people think it's really ugly. I really like the way these maps look, and they, they facilitate play. Um, so the sequence of play, once you actually get through the rule books, they're about 30, 35 pages, so it's it's a little on the high end, but it's actually laid out in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, so sequence of play... The first thing you're going to do is have a landing phase uh, in all of the games. The games all function more or less the same. Um, the only difference with the Dieppe game is you're using chits instead of cards. 
but they function just like a card. So the in this case, the Japanese are going to fire at the Americans trying to land. Um, I really like the landing phase in Tarawa. Uh, it's really straightforward. Either they get through with nothing happening, or they take losses, or they're completely dead. It's 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 pretty straightforward. Uh, then you're going to have an event phase, You and this is all done through cards. So at the top of the map, there's a row of or spaces for however many cards you need to, to facilitate it one turn. So you're going to draw a bunch of cards for landing. They, they they do everything you need for landing. Then you're going to flip another card, okay, see, so what, Jason, see what Jason, the event does. Mm-hmm. This is before you have any counters actually on the map? No, you start with counters um, kind of laid out. They're going to attack the counters, and then your counters land. Okay. And then you look at the event. The events are going to kind of give, and the, the Japanese are already set up. They're, they're dug in. They know you're coming. So the Japanese counters are already on the board. Mm-hmm. And they're all hidden. You can't see what any of these, what the strengths are. And that's um, randomly determined? Like who's where? Yeah. Winning? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just out of the stack. Um, so the event will do things, uh, either helping you or helping the Japanese. Um, and then, the, the Japanese attack, and again, that's all done through cards. At the bottom of the cards, there's three symbols, or three colors and one symbol. So each American unit has a symbol on it, and then the colors refer to the positions. Each position is colored, and that's what those colored dots do. They, they show you where those positions are firing. So again, it, it, it's very straightforward. You draw this card, and it says, okay, you know, purple, red, and green are all gonna fire. So you find those positions and you and you resolve combat. The combat for those are pretty easy. It's the the it's not even a combat results table. It's just if this then this. Um, and when you talk about colors, are these these colors just Japanese positions, or are these like zones kind of on the island? Just the Japanese positions. Okay. They're they're it's a it's like a um, a position. I mean, for lack of a better term, that's firing into. You know, the hexes around it. Okay. And the, so the farther you get away from it, the less effective it is. Okay. Um, in this game, they're mostly just, um, they're, they're pretty deadly. Uh, in the, in the Omaha Beach one, you can get kind of, um, the, the positions fire farther away. It's a, it's a much bigger area. Um, so you can kind of catch some, some fire from positions you're not really expecting. But this, okay. this isn't the case. So, for example, if, if you have the symbol on your counter and you're in an intense fire, you're going to take a loss and get, uh, no matter what. Um, if, if you're in just a steady fire, which is a different, different type of colored position, um, they're, they're only going to take, take a step loss if they have the symbol on it. Um, so the, the symbols and the colors play in together for it. So again, it's, it sounds confusing with me uh-huh. saying it out loud, but it, it's really straightforward. And, and the symbols represent what, like types of units or no, formations? No, no, it's just, it's, I don't know if it's random, but just distributed throughout the U.S. units, there's this little circle, triangle, or diamond on it, just denoting that that unit will take hits. It's Okay, like, so it's, it's add randomness, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, instead of dice, it's, it's okay. these things. So it's not like all of one command or triangles? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, no, it's no, they're cool. broken up pretty pretty randomly throughout. And then the US get to go and the and the big thing with this is um, you can only move three of your units. So you, you're gonna end up with, you know, between ten and twenty units on the map and you can only move three of them at any turn 
unless they have like an HQ with them or a hero with them, and then they get to do stuff for free. So, you know, potentially all of, or potentially three Japanese units are firing at you, and then you can only reciprocate with, with three units. Um, so it, it, that's where the toughness comes in is prioritizing which units to do something with. Um, you might need to get a guy out of a heavy position, a heavy fire position, um, and into a place where he could potentially attack. Um, but you might also want to attack and you, you really have to pay attention and prioritize who you're moving and who you're doing stuff with. Combat is pretty straightforward for the, for the US. Um, you flip over the counter, uh, and all of the Japanese counters have little two letter designations on them. Um, like FL is a flamethrower, um, BR is a browning rifle, um, these, just these different things that are required to engage that, that unit. So again, they're, they're randomly distributed throughout the units, but your units have to have that matching symbol to be effective against them. Okay, and I might not have gotten this, but is this a diceless game? Yeah, it's completely diceless. It's okay, yeah, I didn't, you might have said that, I didn't. I, I, didn't. I didn't say it. Um, okay. it's, everything's done through the cards and then, just oh, so if you don't have the, the right type of unit to eliminate that defender, then you can't. You can disrupt it, but you can't eliminate it unless you're okay. way, way overpowered. And I said FL for flamethrower. That's not right. Um, so one of them is one of the the requirements is a flank, and so in that case, you have to use actually two units to um, you know one on either side of it uh, to engage it. So then you're activating two units to engage one unit, uh, making it, you know, taking more resources away from your turn. Okay. This game also has a close combat in it, which is very deadly, but really fun. You kind of burn through a lot of cards, um, and you just, it's, it's almost like a little mini game where you're flipping cards and seeing what the colors are. Um, but really fun. It adds a lot of engagement to this game that, that, um, isn't in the Omaha Beach game. Now, when you get next to a, a defending unit, maybe you you want to see if it's got like you said, FL is a flank. Mm-hmm. Can you then look under it and then decide what strategy you want to do as far as moving your guys? Or you have to attack it first to flip it up. Okay. Um, and if you don't have the right strength or the right the right um, you know special weapons to engage it, you might mm-hmm. end up disrupted yourself. Okay. So then you can't do anything next turn. So pretty straightforward. Um, each game has a lot of different. Or not a lot of, but I think f- about four scenarios. So you can just play an intro scenario. You can play half the game. You can play the second half of the game or the whole game, which adds a lot of variability in, in how you're playing it because you can start kind of halfway through the battle and then try to finish it up, or you can just play the first, you know, entry stages into it. Uh, okay. Um, let, let me ask you two questions that I always have about these, these solitary games. It, one is, is it a puzzle that can be solved? And then after you've solved the puzzle, it's going to be done. And is there, is there, as a player, is there an ability to be a better player or a worse player? Like, can you be, can your skill as you play the game, uh, allow you to win more often? So it's, so it's not a puzzle because the cards are so different. Um, the way they're going to come out every turn are different. The, the com, the combat units for the Japanese, the way they're going to come out are so different. So you can't really solve it. Um, it's going to be pretty different every time you play, but I think you can get better. So it took me about three times of playing Omaha Beach to actually get in a position of even being close to winning. Um, that one's especially bloody. Um, 
so as you play, you kind of learn where to prioritize your attacks. Um, so maybe that's, but it still doesn't seem like it's a puzzle to where, okay, I know I need to attack here first, but it still might not work out for you. Right. By puzzle, I just mean some of these times, some of these solitaire games, there becomes a, 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 a solution pattern, that, right, yeah. yeah, that wins every time. And yeah. And she solved it. It's, yeah, these aren't that because of the weight. Just between the random defense and the random cards, it's it's going to be so different. But you can improve your play. It's not completely random to where you're not really having any impact on the game. And how do you win? Uh, by taking territory. Um, you you have to occupy the enemy positions um, and have them basically secured. Uh, so it's it's just about... And, and also, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to lose, of course. Um, if ever all of your units on the map are reduced um, below, you know, if if they're reduced to a certain amount, you just automatically lose because they're not functioning correctly anymore. So it's a lot of fun. I think uh, Tarawa is, a lot of people are enjoying it a lot more than Omaha Beach. It's there's just slight differences in it that, that make it a little bit more fun and engaging. Um, I think it might also be a little bit easier. Omaha Beach is, is really difficult. Uh, you can end up losing pretty quickly because your guys just die. There's a, there's a basically kill limit. If you have a certain number of dead units, you just lose the game automatically. So this is fun. I, I rated Omaha Beach as a 10. Um, and it was, I think, my first 10 game. Um, I think I am enjoying this more than Omaha Beach, so it's also going to have a be, have to be a 10. Fun no, I, what, do you, what do you mean? It's better than a 10. I, I don't know that there is to to 11. <laughs> <laughs> This one goes to 11. Um, right. No, it's it's right there. It's, it's a 10. Um, Beers is also a 10. Once you know the system, as long as you know the small things to pay attention to, things like terrain... Um, things like only <laughs> every time I play a new one of these games, every one of them, you can only move three units on your turn. The first two turns, I'll move everybody on the map. I'm like, man, I am kicking ass. This is awesome. <laughs> and then realize, oh yeah, I'm not playing correctly. That's, that's why I'm doing so well. So as long as you remember that kind of stuff, uh, you can get pretty loaded while you're playing it. So I'll give it 10 beers, 10 and 10. Um, yeah, it's, it's one that I like to just sit at. Um, there's a lot of, puzzling over who to move, what to do with them. Um, so I can kind of drink myself into a corner with that. But lo- lots of fun. Uh, there is another one coming out that I will also buy that I probably don't need to own, but but will just to kind of support this system. But you said it's attractive. The game's a, a mm-hmm. nice-looking game. Well, I, I like the way the map looks. A lot of people don't. It's a decision game. So it's a it's a paper map, which I like. The counters aren't great. You have to kind of struggle getting them out of the sprues. There's not really art on them. It's just they're on the thin side. Um, but I don't I don't really care about any of that. They're not the nice thick GMT counters with texture on them and all that. They're they're old school counters. Um, but for me, it's it's the gameplay of of this thing. I like it. Nice, good review. Yeah, yeah, very nice, man. You gonna buy that now, Mike? I own the uh, Omaha one. Have you played it? Uh, I have not. <laughs> I should get it out. So play that before you play this, because oh yeah, yeah, no Mike, do you have a lot of unplayed games? I do. 
Like what I'm, percentage? What percentage of your game collection has been played? Of war games? Let's be yeah. honest. Let's have a moment of serious self. Yeah, <laughs> self no I'm kidding. Ten percent. Really? Ten percent yeah. unplayed? Uh, no, no played. Ten percent. Wow! Played. Wow! <laughs> like how yep. how many war games do you own? Way too many. That's not a that's not a mathematical answer. I mean, a numerical <laughs> answer. I don't know for sure. Uh, it's probably, I don't know, man. My wife threatened to listen to this, so I don't know if I want to say. It. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's um, good see, that's not fair. That's a good that's evasive that, answer. That's, How do you that's kind of wrong for her to even make that kind of thing. That might be domestic abuse. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. She's getting yeah, suspended from the it's, uh, it's definitely three digits, that's for sure. Oh, I, hey, by the way, Mike, do you know that Hoplite game I played last night? Yeah. I won that game. Very I nice. saw. Yeah, I saw oh, your session easy. report on the Geek List. Yeah, so uh, Ralph and I have been playing Hoplite, and uh, that's two times now you've won, right? Yeah, and it's funny because initially I would uh, we'd play on a night where I would traditionally have a little bit to drink, and then uh, I would do the Marshall thing where I would make uh, uh, Ralph do all the math <laughs> and uh, the rules. And but last night uh, I'd been sick during the week, so I read up on the rules and I played the Persians at Marathon, which is actually not an easy side to win. Yeah. Because the Greek hoplites don't mess around. But the one advantage you have is the Greek hoplites can be kind of impetuous and they can get, they can start running and get out of line. And I ended up winning the game. Very nice. Yeah, very cool. Ralph's, uh, I have a lot of crappy light infantry archers, but Ralph's, uh, hoplites were, uh, I kind of put my archers out there with speed bumps and my archers fought, actually shot pretty well at the hoplites. And then of the few shock units I had were able to come up and kind of gang up on certain hoplite units, and Ralph's dice went south, and then that was the end of it for the Greeks. So That was a, uh, a real good guild turnout last night, too. Oh, yeah, it was like eight guys. And then some asshole who had a loose wire on his headphone uh, just caused <laughs> his noise the entire time. I'm just giving you background sounds of frying dick. bacon, man. Yeah, that's good, making me hungry. But, uh, but yeah, so Hoplite's pretty cool. We've been playing it. We've been kind of working our way through the battles. And uh, I actually have sat down and read the rules, so I was pretty familiar with them. Um, that does help. I, I did notice that uh, afterwards that we'd made a couple mistakes when I read them this morning that uh, actually probably would have benefited Ralph. So mm. whatever. That's yeah. not like work. Don't tell him that. It's not, well, I already emailed him. Yeah. And in true Ralph fashion, he didn't even respond to my email. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, uh, he's busy. I, after uh, Lucas had come on as the mystery host last month, uh, I bought Napoleon and Leipzig. So That's the NLB? L- yeah, LNB? NLB? LNB? Napoleonic Library of Battle? I think it's the other way around. Library of Napoleon, yeah. You sure? LNB, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to start typing? That would. No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I, I played the second edition of this game back when I was a youngster. And, uh, this is the fifth edition. Oh, jeez. And, you know, Lucas really likes the system. And I would say that part of the problem, is, it's funny too, because Kev Sharp is also actually kind of messing around with the Zucker systems. He is less of a fan. Yeah, and. <laughs> The, the the problem is uh, it has a combat system where uh, basically you just roll a dice, uh, 1d6, and 
once you figure out what the CRT odds are going to be, and usually you'll end up in one side retreating or the other side, or maybe like an exchange of losses. Uh, and the only time you actually really get good losses is when you can uh, get your zones of control behind the guy to where he has to retreat through the zone of control. And then he's absolutely destroyed with no chance of being saved. So, and the funny thing is your own friendly units don't negate the enemy's zone of control. So when you think about it with hexes, mm. if you just get four hexes around two units, you can pretty much eliminate any of those units in those two hexes where, that are going to retreat because they're going to pass through your zone of control mm-hmm. whether or not there's a friendly unit there. So it seems harsh. Uh, but the other problem is with the CRT is with 1D6, with no modifiers, it, it, it's very uh, up and down as far as you never really know how it's going to go. Sometimes your guys retreat, sometimes the other guys retreat. And uh, I, I felt like the combat system was a, a little immature. Like, uh, it felt like it was from a time back, like, in the 70s or 80s, you know. Well, it was, um, right? which it is. <laughs> but but it, it's crazy because it hasn't changed. And then the other weird thing is, so the idea is there's there's uh, locking zones of control. So when you go into the enemy's zone of control, you're locked in there. You can't leave it. Um, so you're going to do, you have to attack every enemy that's in your zone of control. And then in the following turn, your the, your opponent has to ta- also attack back, whether or not he would want to do those types of attacks. But you can do a bombardment from distance with artillery to basically... Uh, uh, get rid of a hex that you might have to attack. So say you, your, your infantry is, uh, adjacent to two hexes, you can bombard one of the hexes, and then your infantry only has to attack the other hex. And my, I was like, well, what is that representing in the game? Like, the guys got hit by artillery, so then they aren't part of the combat. It, it just, it seemed strange as a rule. It seemed a little bit gamey. Uh, the other weird thing was, uh, Cavalry charges, you can do a cavalry charge in the game, which is basically where you take a cavalry unit and you run it up and it sits on top of an enemy unit. And then you roll a die for cavalry charge and your options are usually uh, your cav unit's destroyed or your cav unit sits on the hex and it creates a zone of control all the way around. It's called an overrun so that when you get a successful attack, when the enemy unit retreats, it's automatically destroyed. Hmm. So... Okay, so maybe that happened, but then when I'm reading the rules, I was like, can the cab unit move through another enemy zone of control to get there? Well, that's not in the rules. Uh, in the examples, I saw that the cab units would go around to make sure they didn't charge through friendly units, like you had to have a clear path to get there. Well, that wasn't in the rules. So when I, when I typed, I typed a question on BGG and basically said, hey, uh, when a cavalry unit's gonna charge an enemy unit, does it have to have a clear path or can it pass through friendly units? Because one of the requirements to do a cavalry charge is the target hex has to be the target of a, an attack also by your units, like a normal attack. So you can't just cavalry charge. You have to have like an infantry unit or some other unit that's gonna fight it. Sure. Well you know cavalry units take up space, right? Yeah. Right. So here's where we're getting to. <laughs> so I put this question on BGG and Lucas posted and said, Oh yeah, I'd already talked to Zucker about it over on Constant World and he said, Yeah, you know, you should probably have a clear path. So then some guy types Probably nothing. It's he goes, yes or no. He goes, Well cavalry units take up space. And I said, Yes, yeah, so do infantry, yeah. uh unlimbered batteries, uh limbers, artillery Ammo caissons, you know, I'm like, 
the bottom line is, if it's a rule in the game, it should be in the fucking rules. Yes. Like, <laughs> if you can't move a cab unit through friendly units, this is the fifth edition of the fucking rule set. Like, shouldn't that be in there? Like, it should say somewhere, oh, by the way, cavalry units that are charging cannot pass through friendly units. They can also not pass through zones of control of units other than the target. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should write the rules for the system. You know, it's like, and then there was another thing they talked about staking the guards. So at some point in the scenario, it says, so I'm playing Leipzig. So at some point in Leipzig, it says, uh, in all the scenarios, none of the guard units have been committed. So I'm like, committed? What the, f- what does that mean? So I look through all the rules. Nowhere in the, the rule book does it say anything about committing the guards. And you know, that was, that's something in Napoleonics that's traditionally uh, uh, especially a French thing where Napoleon would keep the Imperial Guard back and you wouldn't want to commit the guard until a key moment. That's like a big moment. Sure. Commit. And if they get repulsed, like at Waterloo, it's devastating. So, uh, but nowhere does it say anything. So at some point, somebody says, oh, well, it's called staking the guards. So I see a little rule that says staking the guards, and it says when a uh, guard unit attacks, you can, once a game... Get a one column shift in an attack, and this is staking the guards. I'm like, really? That's the whole, like, a one column shift? Like, that's nothing on the CRT. Mm-hmm. It's like, one to one to two to one, or one to one to one to one and a half to one. So it just seems like the thing has been kind of glommed together. The rules don't, they, there's, there's basically gaps you could drive like a, a convoy through, you know, in the rules. So that annoyed me about the game. I, I love, I like the, the battle. Um, the committing the guard thing annoyed the shit out of me. There is a cool aspect of the guard where, um, if you attack with them, you decide to attack with them and they get like a, uh, attacker eliminated or attacker retreat result, then units around them will lose morale. I thought that was good because you tend to not want to use them on attacks. But the problem is the way this game works is even if you defend with the guard, when the opponent comes up to fight you, Okay, then you're defending, but when it comes your turn, you're in his zone of control. Now you have to attack with them. So, because you're required to attack when you're in enemy's zone of control. So your opponent can kind of set up an attack in his turn, knowing that you're going to have to make mm-hmm. an unfortunate attack in your turn. Because yeah. you're required by these uh, sticky zone of control rules. So, it, so it, I just wonder, like, are people playing the game or playtesting the game? So... Um, what else did I problem with? Not enough markers in the games. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. I'm constantly short of markers as to what I'm going to put down for road marches or demoralized units. Uh, they have a, a rule where you're going to you're going to mark core losses with with casualty units. So basically, there's a, a thing where when a core loses a certain number of strength points, uh, it becomes demoralized. You know, like a large core if it loses like uh, 12 strength points worth of units becomes demoralized. Well, the rules say you take the first unit that was a casualty and put it on the casualty track on the demoralization track to mark it. But then there's another part where during night turns and weather turns, you're going to recover units, and then they become eligible to be reorganized. Well, what do you do with the unit that's on the fucking demoralized track? You can't take it off the track. So maybe he should have just sprung for another, like, six-inch by six-inch crew of counters with... I mean, it's not a cheap game, and uh, we could have had actual... And, and then I guess people, after after the game's been published, 
have made core markers where you can use instead of using the units. But in the rules, I say to use the units. But when you read the rules, it doesn't actually work if you're going to do that. Because once that unit gets marked to be recovered, uh, you need to put it on the recovery chart, not on the, the demoralization track. All right, so this is, we're just going to go through the rants here. I've got a bunch of things. Uh, but I hey, like rants. I like hey, Guys, this is about us playing the games, right? So the whole deal is, Ty, you've commented on this before. We play these games. So I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through the entire Leipzig campaign. So if you're going to give me a game that says Napoleon at Leipzig, Zucker, I'm going to say, I'm playing the fucking campaign. And we're going to play it all the way through, and then I'm going to write all the shit down that I don't like about it. And I'll write all the stuff that's good. So I'm on my fourth beer. And I have some cold medicine on board too, by the way. So, woo. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, a bunch of errata. So basically, there's a page of errata that comes with the game. That's not bad. That's, yeah, but it's a fifth edition. Fifth edition. Well, yeah. I mean, fifth edition. Um, and it seems like they, they, there's still stuff that's not yeah. addressed. Right, and, and so so the other thing is, uh, this this is kind of an interesting thing, just from from my perspective, you know. Uh, I thought it was funny because Kev Shark, when he was talking about the game, was like, uh, as a tactical game, it's not good. You know, it's not, because basically it's not a tactical game. I know it says it's grand tactical or it's tactical. This is kind of a, like a uh, grand operational type mm-hmm. game where you're committing cores, 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 cores at a time. And it's the weight of the cores against other cores that really matters. Um, because the CRT is so up and down as to what your results can get, you can't really plan really great tactical victories hex by hex because you never know what the results are going to be. So really it's about applying different cores in different areas and seeing their weight and pressure push against your opponent's cores. If you're going to get obsessed with little victories and certain hexes, uh, you're going to be disappointed by this game. Now, if you want a game that's going to give you a feel for around Leipzig, how it was with Napoleon trying to give himself breathing room, and I mean, I think the game does a good job of that. The problem with the game is I felt like it got a little bit tiresome because you're fighting these combat phases out, and in the end, you're like, who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, DR2, DR, you're just like, it gets, you almost begin to wish that the turns would be three hours or two hours instead of one hour because you're like, oh, I got 12 more turns until nighttime, you know? And so the struggle back and forth between the core, uh, it, I, I just feel like the time scale could have been two, two hour turns maybe and maybe increase the movement or I don't know. Uh, it does give a good feel for how the core apply pressure against each other. It's got baggage trains, which are kind of cool. You've got to, figure out where your baggage trains are going to be placed to give you supply. Um, and after hearing all this, you might be like surprised to hear that I actually don't hate the game. I actually kind of enjoyed playing it, but I did find at times that I needed to take a break from the game and get away from it. Uh, I played with the cards. The cards are kind of cool because uh, Lucas had mentioned the cards. You get the cards and each player plays a card at the beginning of his turn. And the card does a couple things. One thing is it, it, it can like maybe increase when your reinforcements are showing up or give you some special abilities, but it also changes the movement during the turn. So the card might say four slash six, which means infantry moves four and cavalry moves six that turn. So movement can change each turn. You have tactical cards that you can play to surprise your opponent, which in a solo game like I played, 
might not be as apparent, and that's one of the dangers of maybe playing a face-to-face game solo, where this game uses vedettes and a lot of hidden movement. Um, sometimes that can maybe uh, not be as fun because you don't you aren't enjoying the full fog of war, you know, face-to-face experience. But again, the problem is they don't give you enough fucking hidden movement counters in the game to probably hide everybody. There's no way there's enough hidden movement counters in the game to hide the units that you're supposed to have hidden during it. So, um, another thing I didn't like about it, this is just me, but you've got artillery units in the game that are, that have combat strength that are basically equal to some of your infantry units. But during rain or bad weather, artillery units can suddenly become completely combat ineffective. Uh, like if it's raining, an artillery battery is, is reduced in combat strength like 75%. So it can go from five to basically one and a quarter. And uh, then your enemy can just run up and attack and destroy it. Like, I don't know, maybe that means that's a problem with me. Maybe I should never deploy artillery units that aren't with infantry that can protect them. But it seemed like it was kind of a, a harsh thing where suddenly rain could come and suddenly my artillery would be overwhelmed by the enemy. But uh, yeah, so after saying all that, I'm angry about the, the job they did on the rules. I think the rules feel very thrown together, and this is uh, this is after five editions of the rules. Uh, I do think they've improved the rules from the second edition. The second edition was very much just a push back and forth. I think by including shock results and sh- including more exchange results, uh, they've improved the casualties in the game. I still think, like... Somebody needs to take a big scrub brush to these rules and really work on them. And maybe just start over. Just say what you're trying to say instead of trying to capture all the stuff that you've said before. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like... Sometimes I think the problem is they they try to tweak the rules and then things get lost in the playtesting. They end up with weird language in them. Yeah, and you never know what game the guys got when they playtested it. So, Or maybe they didn't listen. It just... The, the the things that I'm asking questions about are things that anybody who had actually sat down and played the game would have realized within a couple hours of playing it. Because, like, with the cavalry charges right away, I was like, what? Like, how am I supposed to... And, by the way, a cavalry charge in the game is completely crazy because most of the time your cavalry ends up being killed. It's better to just keep them back and use them for normal attacks. But but it's in there. It's tacked onto the rules. <laughs> cavalry, it's there. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to play, play with the cards, play with the vedettes, try to play with the Fog of War. Um, if you want to play a game where you're going to move, maneuver a bunch of core around, Leipzig, and get a feel for how it was to be Napoleon, this is the game for you. Um, you just have to get used to the fact that the results at the tactical level and the grand tactical level are not going to be satisfying, and in fact might be kind of tedious as you play the game. If you can get past that, or if you get space like I have, where I can set it up and just kind of grind my way through a couple uh, combat phases, and then start enjoying how the, the core are all starting to flow and deploy out, then it's a good game. Otherwise, if you're going to try to sit down and play this with somebody for like eight or nine hours face-to-face, you're a better person than I am. <laughs> yeah, Braxton sent me, he got two of the intro packs. Um, I, don't, I can't remember which one, but I, I, I read through the rules and sat down and tried to play it a couple times, and just, I'm not interested. In, interested that much in Napoleonics, and I thought this might be a good gateway for me to get into it, and just realized it's not worth it for me with all the baggage that comes up with this game. 
the crazy thing for me was, you know, Kev was looking at it like uh, he's comparing Labatile in this game, which mm-hmm. is like, to me, they're two completely different games. Like, Labatile is very tactical, mm-hmm. and this game is completely yes. the other way. Yeah, I mean, way more operational. Yeah, the realism in Labatile is uh, in the tactics, which, again, is weird because... We've talked about it before. It's but you like, can still do stuff that wouldn't actually happen, right? Yeah, but in a lot of battalion, you're doing everything. You're the battalion commander all the way up to Napoleon. In this game, you're more Napoleon, but it kind of tricks you into thinking that you're maybe controlling what's happening at the tactical level. And then if you if you think like that, basically the best thing to think is, oh, fourth corps has been repulsed. I better save fourth corps. Don't think about like I'm going to try to do this perfect attack on this hex here because if you do, you're going to get really upset with the results because it's not going to turn out the way you think. Sure. Um, so the two games are two completely wildly different systems uh, as far as what they what they focus on. Like like Labatal gives you less of an experience maybe being a general and more an experience of just watching a, a Napoleonic battle unfold in great detail. You know different charging units, guys forming squares, stuff like that. This game is not anywhere close to that. So But yeah, if you just if you know what you're getting into, like I said, it's it, I would say that and and when I look at games as as for whether I'm describing them as uh like tactical or grand tactical or operate, I don't look at the hex yeah, hex scale. Yeah, I don't look at the it. unit size. I look at the command yep. command range. And this is definitely a game where you're operating as Napoleon. And uh, La Bataille is definitely a game where you're operating more as a brigade commander, but you're controlling about 40 brigade commanders. So, uh, and I enjoy it just because I like how Napoleonic warfare fights out. I don't, I don't care as much for the friction. Uh, this game is a lot more about the strategy of where you're putting your, your coordinates. So, so sorry, Lucas. I know you like it. Yeah, a lot of guys are crazy about the system. That's just. But I, like I said, the combat's a drag. It's a drag. It's not fun. It's boring. Really boring. So. But maybe if you don't know who the enemy is, if you don't, if you have hidden movement, uh, maybe it's more exciting. You know? Yeah. Again, I'm playing it solo. And that's the problem with a lot of Kets games too. Kets playing games solo. Uh, if you have games that have fog of war, it's hard to tell mm-hmm. how different it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you giving me shit for reviewing a solo game and then you're reviewing a two-player <laughs> game playing it solo. No, no, I, I, I'm, the irony isn't lost. I'm not reviewing it as much as I'm complaining Just about, about it. it. Okay. You know, it's like, that's fine. I mean, I think I paid 80 bucks for the game. Yeah. So it's kind of a bummer. The map. That is a bummer. The map score. Say the pieces look great. I, th- I, I think it's given me a great feel for playing the battle. Uh, the problem is I wish that I could just roll a one D six and then uh, one to three, I push back his core four to six. My core goes back. You know, because that's basically what it feels like yeah. in the individual combats. Let's just make it all a one d six roll. That's crazy. If if anyone's interested in the Ekmal intro pack, let me know. I thought you already gave that up. I'll share the love. No, I offered it. Nobody nobody took it. Nobody wanted it. No. Maybe people thought it was a trick. Yeah, maybe they were intimidated to get in touch with me. You're like, yep. you have to, you have to get rid of your cell phone and drive out to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, bring uh, booze. Also, uh, Death Ride Totem Cup, uh, Vassal Modules coming out. Sweet. Oh, good. Death Ride Kursk. So, for guys who like the stacking and concerned about maps. And also, I got a, uh, email from Chris Vasula that said, uh, they're delaying, uh, 
death ride cursed leap standard until they can work out some yeah. math issues. Good for them. It's the right, yeah. right choice. Good decision. I think it's for the best. I've already bought the coupon, so I'm already in on that, but I still look, I emailed him right away. I'm like, I think that's the best way to go. Gotta line that shit up. Yeah. He listened to your complaints. That's nice. You think? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't we're, just my complaint. We're enacting change. So what's up, Mikey? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, well, I did have a, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before, but I did find a face-to-face opponent for uh, OCS, which was kind of cool. Okay. Um, and I know I, I apparently I'm really bad at telling stories, but I'll try one again anyway. So I've been. No, looking... you just did a terrible job of how your name came about. That's well, because were you really you really didn't remember how I got my nickname? No, I just wanted to see what you were going to say. Oh, okay. Um, it was a test. You kind of ruined the moment for both of us. <laughs> I appreciate. You it. sound like my wife now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my, my, my wife. My wife just says, "Stop talking." Yeah. Don't talk. Just stop talking. Yep. <laughs> All right, um, but so there's a game I've been looking. One of the things, like you know, I, my review was of a Indian Wars battle. Um, I guess I don't know. You're supposed to say Indian anymore, Native American, whatever. Um, but you know, I think I think that all went out the window when we let off with the beheadings. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. But uh, so I've been looking for this game for a long time. It was a like late '70s game from SimCan, the Simulations Canada, and it's like it's the only game on this topic there. The, there was an Indian tribe in Oregon, Idaho, Washington State called the Nez Perce, mm-hmm. and they were chased for like 1,800 miles. I might get that number wrong. It was a hell of a distance by the U.S. Army. This was Chief Joseph, um, sure. and at the end, you know, he had the famous quote. They finally caught up to him, and it really wasn't his fault. There was a lot of fighting in amongst the tribe, and yeah, they caught him trade, finally right? at the end. You know, because some other guy kind of took control and said, "Hey, we got to rest." And Chief Joseph was like, "No, we got to keep going." And they eventually caught him, and you know, so they they surround him. I think, and they, they, at that at that point, they were trying to get to Canada, um, and still two hundred of them or something slipped away. But it's just this epic story, and he he Chief Joseph says, "I will fight no more." From from this point to where the sun now sets, I will fight no more forever. And I probably get that wrong, but it's a cool quote. It's a cool story. There's apparently one war game on this topic, and it's called I Will Fight No More Forever, which is kind of a funny name hmm. for a war game. <laughs> um, but it's hard to find. Like, Noble Knight has one. It's like 100 bucks, and I didn't want to pay that. So, I, you know, I was looking for one and looking for one. Finally, I'm like, yeah, you know, I see guys doing this. So I go on Constant World, and I post it. Hey, I'm looking for this. And so... Like a day later, some guy emails me. He's like, "Oh yeah, I got it. How about thirty bucks?" I'm like, wow, hell nice. yeah! <laughs> and he's like, oh, "We just got you know, and thirty bucks plus shipping is like you know, and I'm shipping from this zip code." And I'm like, "We don't even have to ship, buddy. I'm coming to your house." Sweet. So it's like down You're the like, road. I have an open marriage. <laughs> so I meet this guy in the parking lot of a bookstore. And we talk, and you know, we're sitting there shooting the shit, and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, and the game's in great shape. It's punched, but, I mean, it's pristine. It's perfect. And uh, I'm like, this is awesome, yeah. And he's like, you know, I, uh, you know, you live up this way. I, there's these guys I came with on Saturdays. We're playing World and Frame, Flames, Frames. Um, but there's some other guys that are playing, like, uh, Paths of Glory or something like that. I'm like, oh. He's like, you should come by this Saturday and check it out. So I'm like, ah, sure. So I do that. And I, I walk in there playing World and Flames and, you know, that's kind of like. Know, where, where are they playing? That, so Is this guy. House? Yeah, no, he has a separate building. It's a two-story building and the top story, and it's about the size of a three-car garage. And the top story is a war game room with wow. like 
four different tables. It's air conditioned. Okay, He's he, got he, a little bar there. It's freaking awesome. That's cool. And and then there's these guys off in the corner. They're sitting there. They've got a Paths of Glory out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I'm talking to the guys. So, you know, I, I had permission from the wife to be there for like half an hour. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and they're like, well, what else do you like to play? I'm like, you know, I'm interested. You know, I'm playing Last Chance for Victory. Playing, you know, and I've got a bunch of OCS games I want to learn. He's like, OCS? And he's like, one guy gets up, walks out, and like two minutes later, he walks back in from his car. Oh, I've got reluctant enemies. We should play this. And so he, he starts setting it up right there. I'm like... This is great. And so You're now like, I'm honey, like, I'm not coming home. Yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm it. like texting her like, uh, can I be a little late? <laughs> so we like got it all set up and he like taught me OCS. I mean, the basics in like an hour that afternoon. And, you know, we basically got through kind of, he did, he's the, uh, Commonwealth forces. And so he moved right. first and he kind of got through most of his turn. And then we played again two weeks later. And uh, I was moving, and uh, man, OCS is awesome. That's I love cool. it. Well, yeah, and the key is uh, the the best part about OCS is the rules are so clear and concise yeah. about everything. You know, easy easy to find. I can I can start to understand why there's so many DNSIC fanboys because you know that the the OCS rules, the uh, line of battle rules, they're all very very clear, and you know they're not super like it's not super concise, but they're not overly wordy. You know, and I, you know, like the uh, the last chance for victory rules. I, it's amazing how quickly, if I have a question, I can. The rule book is just organized in such a way. There's no index, but I can find stuff fast. You I, know, I, have, I, have, I have yet to play it, Mike. I haven't. I know. I well, we were it. supposed to play, man. So we're gonna have to do that. That's a good. That's a. I like that game as well. I don't. You know, I don't know. I can't really review it yet, but it's a good system. And and you know, one of the things I really like about war games is, um, and I'm gonna geek out even more than normal but it's when they be when they have like emergent properties right when you get behavior that's like they're simple rules but then complex things happen and that i saw in last chance for victory and in ocs you see that it's like well you know we've got this simple rule that you've got to get supply and all of a sudden as a result of that i'm like yeah those tanks are gonna sit there because i just don't feel like putting gas in them and that's awesome I mean, it sucks. <laughs> or, or, or I'm, I'm not going to fire all my artillery because I yeah, can't afford the supply. Yeah, artillery freaking expensive, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's all you it's know, all that air power. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. It really, I mean, I felt like, I mean, the reluctant enemies and the maps beautiful and yeah, and I mean, I just got to feel like I was there and I was having to make the same decisions that they might have made. I mean, I know it's not real, but I I really felt like I was in the game, which is awesome. Well, the, the beauty of OCS is it really uh, rewards the quality of the units, you know, where you can have that right. high-quality unit that's defending against uh, crazy odds that gains surprise, surprise and manages to shift the odd column all the way the other way, and then yep. amb- basically ambushes the attackers. So Yeah, and I, yeah, I when, like uh, the, the exploitation is a, is a it's on the CRT, right, so that right. you get exploitation move as a result. Like, we just blew that fucker, you know, back 50... But again, depending on the cards. quality of the units. Yes, certain yeah, depending units on the quality of the Exactly. It's just yeah, when, really well thought out. It's, when, it's, Cam- when Campbell came over, he was like, yeah, I've read the rules. I said, don't even worry about it. Once you get here, we'll start playing. And once you start playing, it'll all become very clear you, you as get to it. what. Yeah. Right. That's, and so I'm like, yeah, I pay supply for this. And so when we started in uh, Kasserine, there's some situations where the, the access has to do overruns right away. So I'm like, yeah, you got to do overruns. You have to decide who you might want to sacrifice. Always the recon battalion. Always lose the recon battalion. So he, he right away you get stuck in. 
paying supply, rolling for yep. surprise. Yeah, it makes sense. It's definitely a game that benefits from the Dave method of just push counters and figure it out. Right. Yep. No. I, I, I'm 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 pretty happy with that. Yeah, and, and then I want to counter the the um the uh well whatever I don't care you know I have a lot of unplayed war games but you know for if my wife's listening or whatever but the way I look at it and I, I'm stealing this from I know you guys love her doctor but um it, look at it like it's like a library right so um if I want a game on a certain topic I just go to my shelf and I say oh I've got a game on that topic I pull it down so my son we went to his school a couple of weeks ago and they're, they're studying the American Revolution. I'm like, I have games on the American Revolution. So I pulled down GMT's Saratoga and we've right. got that out. And, uh, it's got a really nice little history of the battle and, um, I'm getting my son to learn it. And it's a, it's a pretty simple little system. So, you know, that's why, you know, I don't worry about, you know, I like buying more games. It's, just, you know. Well, the, the other thing is, you know, eventually they get sold out. So some of these right. games, I'm like, oh, like, I don't like it when Marshall Enterprises does what it does, where it says we're making one out of four, we're making four hundred. That's it. You know, I feel like they're putting pressure on me to buy the game. They are. Like, I'll never be able to get. I don't like that though. I feel like I don't either. I, I don't need to have that told to me. You know, like, uh, like with, to be honest with my ASL purchases, I thought I was going to be able to wait for a while to buy Beyond Valor, and then boom, it went out of print at a. Uh, MMP, and then I went through this panic, <laughs> running through. <laughs> Need it now. Find it. Yeah, I tried to buy it from NWS, and I think they did the thing where they tried to then order it for me from MMP. Right. Uh, they couldn't get it. Well, shit, I knew you couldn't get it, motherfucker. <laughs> That's why I'm coming to you for it. <laughs> and uh, so then, but uh, a noble knight came through, yep. and they gave me a good price on it. So. Yeah. I was noble like, knight can be good. I've gotten decent deals from them, but you know, it's, then it's like beyond valor. That's a big deal. That's like the, that's, you have to have that to play it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could, I'm, I'm up on pre-orders on a shitload of games. What, what are you guys looking forward for pre-order? Mine's about the same as last time. I'm, well, I have Polis that's coming sometime next month. Um, and then Fields of Fire is, my hi- my highlight of whenever the hell it comes out. Well, yeah, it depends. Ben Hole had a little uh, rage quit thing for a while there, didn't he? Did you hear about that? No, but GMT keeps pushing it back and pushing it back. Yeah. What happened? Uh, One by the Sword. You know that game, right? I don't, you know, uh, oh, yeah. I think Lucas and Braxton are playing it. So they're it's a it's a constant world thing. So, but let's well, be people are pissed. People are people pissed. Are pissed. There's some errors in the rule book. There's some errors on the cards. GMT well, then GM, sounds like GMT kind of came back and said, "Hey, we're going to fix it." Right. GMT's doing their thing, which is why I love GMT. They're mm-hmm. going to fix it. Um, but, you know, on console, I think, in, and it was on console world, like, everybody's like, bitch, 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 bitch. And I, I don't on know. On the internet? Know, maybe. Yeah, really. Wow. And Ben might have been having a bad day, but he literally posted on console world, I quit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to design any more board games. <laughs> now I think he's taking that back. Yeah, did you have a heart attack? Cause you love that musket and pike series. I do. I do. I'm playing that with Ralph and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I didn't have a heart attack. I mean, he's, I don't, you can, other people can make musket and pike now. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Alright, here, here's what I've got on pre-order right now. It's kind of sad. Uh, Pax Romana, second edition. Props out to Ralph for that. Yep. Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Gallic War, coin series. Yeah. Oh, really? Operation Dauntless. I yeah. think that's also Ralph from Red Winter. 
Yeah, I got that one. That one should be good. U.S. Civil War. Uh, the, the new the, uh, Sim- yeah. Simon. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I loved that game when it was a victory game. I played the shit out of the game when I was a kid. Uh, you, as a union, you would constantly try to be, like, uh, stick your shitty generals way off in weird posts, no. like Fort Monroe. <laughs> uh, at any cost, Nets, 1870. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got Talon, the sci-fi game. That might suck. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. that looks a little iffy. I know. I don't know about that one. Uh, Great Battles of Alexander, expanded deluxe edition. Uh, ordered that one, of course, because it's deluxe. Do you have uh, the original? Nope. Oh, okay. This Accursed Civil War. Yeah. Next War Taiwan. Yep. Props That's damage. on my list, too. Yep. Field yep. of Fire with the Old Breed. Next That's War... the two, right? You don't have both of them? Just two? I just, I just did the Old Breed. Yeah, I have both on mine. Um, I've, I've never played the Fields of Fire series, so it's kind of like I didn't know if I wanted to go in for both. But... Yeah, it has a keyword that I like. Fire? Solitaire. Solitaire. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should... Um, and Vietnam. If you go on GMT's page, Dave, Field of Fire, like, you ha- they will, they have enough material there, you can play one scenario. Oh, really? Is, like is it, it, is it awesome? No. It's, I, I, I printed out the rules. I, I, I stop. I, I don't know that it's awesome or not. I give up. Cause it just, I couldn't understand it. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Which is, the, the rule book gets a lot of criticism. Yeah. And I, my personal, I, I, yeah. I'm not I mean, gonna. My, my solo experience is Field Commander. That's the one, that's the solo game I played. I yeah. liked it, but it, that's probably more basic than. Which one? Uh, the Alexander? Uh, uh, Rommel. Mm. So, uh, then I've got Next War, India, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Mitch. There yep. you go, buddy. Yep. Gathering Storm, of course, because, oh, hey, by the way, uh, World of War, Vassal Manto getting completed by somebody else. <laughs> Some right. non-slacker. Right, Duck? Good luck. Yep. Goddamn, yeah, if you just had finished it, we, we, no, we could have played that goddamn game if you finished that Vassal module. Oh, we could have played the game anyway. It was uh, playable. So Gathering Storm is kind of like the prequel to a World of War. Now, but now I don't even remember all the fucking rules in that game. Yeah, World of War was crazy. There's one or two in there. When I'm retired, when I'm retired, we're playing that game. Yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to open it up again. So that's it for me for GMT, and then I think I've got like a, uh, I got the Clash of Arms Lava Tile game. Uh, Dresden. I've got that on pre-order, and I think I've got like uh, MMP. Do you have the Legion one? They have one on theirs, right? What's what does Legion have? Though? They have uh, uh, Pratson edition thing, right? I'm not fucking learning new rules. Yeah. Oh, it's not the same system. No. No, no, no I'm, I'm to the point now where I've kind of I'm set with my rules. Oh, and I've, then on MMP, I've got the OCS Ryan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Game course pre-ordered for the bulge if anything if nothing else for the bulge game so that's where i'm at on pre-orders it's good stuff yep i've got i got some of those too um but i've got some legion games too maori wars i gotta mention that mm-hmm. that's my number one it has a beautiful map it's a john Poniski. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's what's that gonna play like you can go read the rules. It's gonna, it's like, uh, it's an insurgency game, right? So you're gonna be, you're, well, one player is gonna be the British, one player is gonna be the Maori, and, you know, they're gonna have, the, the Maori units are gonna be moving around, and, you know, able to, kinda like a, I haven't played the Vietnam 65 to 75. I thought the, but, I thought the Maori guys were into like entrenching and stuff. They did have some forts too. Um, the reason I pre-ordered it, 
is, you know, he, he's, he's a designer who has a pretty proven track record. The components look awesome and it's a company I, I know. And I've looked through the rules. It, looks it just won't be out anytime soon. Yeah, it won't be out. 2015's iffy, I would say. Yeah. Hey, you, you know what though? I'm it's cool a with that because, mess, though. right, at least when they put the games out, they're great. Like, do yeah. that. You know, well, I mean, they, they didn't really Jason achieve that with Picket Duty. <laughs> right, right, right. You know that. Yeah, they they fixed it. I, I have, that's I've seen know. guys playing Picket Duty who like it though. So yeah, they fixed it. They fixed it. Yeah, they fixed I just it. haven't gotten back to it. But Jason, maybe you need to do a re-review. I might. Time. Yeah, it's on my list. That'll be after. That'll be post move. Yeah. So, uh, so we got the Advanced After Comic Guild. If you like the podcast, uh, maybe you like the guild. You can hang out with guys uh, and chat with them and. Uh, we do like who's up, like who's up at night, who's up drinking, who's up playing. Guys will do stuff like that. Guys will ask opinions about games. I think if you, you're, especially if you're a new gamer and maybe you've kind of, uh, run into the podcast and you, you hear what we're talking about and you're like, hey, these guys sound like guys I'd like to game with. Um, you can <laughs> come guys over to the guild. Talk shit to you. Still come yeah, no, you come over and, uh, and just start. Usually new guild members can get on and just say like, We've had a bunch of guys lately who were like, hey, I'm just starting out. Do you guys have recommendations for these types of games? Um, and, and Lucas put it best when he said that the guild is kind of like a filter where you know that the guys that you're going to run into who like the podcast, who like the guild, are going to be guys that are similar to who you are. Yeah. So yeah. you're not going to find that fucking weird dude at Constant World who sits there and fucking slows down your game and then wants to argue over every single fucking rule and ruin your entire experience at the convention. That guy's not going to be on the game. And if you're that guy, don't come. Yeah, you know who you, you are. Will, you will be shunned. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely something where we got, we got to mention that, uh, like Mike was one of the first, uh, maybe 30, 40 guys that started mm-hmm. listening to podcasts. So, That's uh, amazing. These are like our early guys. And so for us, we like the size that we're at now. But And, and I, I was at a point where I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to even advertise about it anymore because uh, when you get too big, then maybe uh, things can change. But I also don't want to be in a situation where there's guys who are good guys out there who are starting to learn about wargaming and are cool and normal dudes who want to play games, and they don't know where to go. Yeah. you know, So you want to kind of throw them a line and say, hey, come over here. You can hang out with us. So. What do you think, Doug? I agree. The guild is a, a hell of a fun place to hang out. Uh, how, did you you find, how did you find the podcast? I've never asked anybody. You, it was on uh, Consum World's front page. Mm. Yeah, they don't. Oh, do that's that when. Anymore. Yeah, that's when. Dave... <laughs> that's it was no, no, like your honestly, second episode. That's before John didn't didn't like us. Anymore. Yeah. At, at what did you do to John, piss him off, man? I think we swear too much. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah he's. Yeah. Yeah, at some point I used to put stuff over there and he put it up, and then I think he might have listened to the podcast. Yeah. And then we no longer, <laughs> yeah. I would send messages like, hey, submit things, and we just would get ignored. Yeah. So yeah. then I, of course, my He's reaction a- was, my reaction as opposed to building bridges was like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just stopped sending them stuff. You blow them up, man. Yep. Burned it to the ground. And he's a, he's a nice enough guy. I mean, I talked to him oh, every yeah. year at the con, but. He's not really. He does not yeah. approve. Yeah. It's not, I mean, there's plenty of nice guys, like the guys I game with, you know, I would never tell them about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, seriously? Like, are you in the closet as far as, uh, advanced? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Well, the, these eighteen XX guys and, and the one guy I working with, it was funny. Like I, he, we were posting something on BGG and it was like, "Hey, you live near me?" And it's like, "Yeah, we should come over." So I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, I, this was like my first face to face wargaming experience ever." I go over this, so I'm like, well, "What? I should bring this guy something." So I like brought him a little tiny bottle of whiskey. He's like, "Oh, I don't drink." Oh, <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so yeah, he, he's a nice guy, but just not. Podcast, yeah, just different. So, so Duck, you don't wear your uh, Advanced After Combat T-shirt over there. <laughs> no. Well, he wouldn't know what the hell it is. Yeah. I wear the the kitten shirt out, and people always are like, "What the fuck is that?" Oh, <laughs> My son gets a kick out of it. He's like, "Your shirt's funny." <laughs> I get comments all the time about the uh, kitten shirt. Yeah. People yep. love that. We we should put that back up on the front page because I think that would be a popular order. Because I mean, I have people ask me about that shirt all the time. Yeah, they want to know what it is. That's awesome. Because it looks like a rainbow kitten. They think it's a rainbow kitten farting on tanks. Yeah, like it's like an anti-war message. I don't know. <laughs> like the kitten's like, "Fuck tanks, <laughs> go peace." <laughs> no, the kitten is so awesome that it farts tanks. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. point. Yeah, that's good. Uh, either of you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Dave, did you not do a review? Um, I thought I kind of did on Leipzig, didn't I? Well, you, you did just did a it, bitch session. You didn't give it ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you want to? I'm not really done with it. I think I'm okay. still. I'm halfway through the campaign. And the funny thing is too, like, so a guy posts up. It has a card. So I'm gonna now you triggered me back on the rant about this okay. game. Oh, uh, I, I love when we bitch about games. Those are my so. <laughs> so it's got all these cards that you play, and uh, so basically a guy posted and said like, "Hey, like." When I'm playing the full campaign, like, what cards do I get and when? So, of course, I'm like, well, based on the rules, the errata, and the, the additional rules for the cards, I've managed to piece together, but I think this is how it fucking works. So I, I had to basically put out the whole thing about the different bonus cards you get. Because what happens is the full campaign is really a strung-together battle of... Uh, and apologize to any German listeners, but Lieber Wolkwitz... Uh, Wachau, Machern, and then Leipzig, Leipzig, which is three days. So it's the 14th, 16th, and 18th. The 15th and 17th, the two days in between, were traditionally like truce days where the armies rested and got their guys back. So based on how well you do on the 14th scenario, decides how many bonus cards you might get on the 16th scenario. And then how well you did on the 14th and the 16th scenarios appear to decide how many cards you get on the 18th, which is if you're playing the full campaign, the way it plays all the way through. Um, I think, think things like how, appear to, and I think that's how it works in Wargame rules, drives yeah. me crazy. I mean, I'm referring to basically a blue sheet of errata and a, a two-page, including the cards sheet, and then the rule book and the scenario when I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. So, no lots of Yeah. And in the scenario book, I'm referring to uh, different card sections for each of the scenarios, so I have to figure out between them. So, it's a blast. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll balance that. Well, the one thing I'll say before we go is uh, a shout-out to Lucas for setting up the great campaigns tournament. Oh, it's, yeah. It's awesome. If you guys aren't following that along, I mean, just come to some of the games. Uh, I mean, the scenario balance, eh, whatever, but, you know, I got 
killed in my first game because I, you know, Stonewall Jackson was on my side, but he really was a Union general. But um, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's a quick scenario. It shows the system, and you know, we've got eight guys in there, and we're having a, a blast. So, and he, Lucas is doing a good job running it, except when he gets uh, you know who won and who lost wrong. But uh, it's my really good that he set that details up in a tournament. I also played uh, I played East Front Two with uh, Campbell the other day in the open, kind of trying to teach him the rules. I cannot get anybody else to like East Front Two. There's got to be someone out there that likes that game. I really liked it. I'm just terrible at it. Well, well, we should play. We should play. But you were yeah, you were the Soviets in 1941. You're supposed to be terrible. Wow. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that had anything to do with the units. You guys need to make so, sure you keep your bromance alive here. So, <laughs> so Jason, we need Jason, to get back into Vietnam again first of the year. Jason, yeah. are you up for PBEM? Did you like the email? Yeah. Because it, it, that's kind of good for you, right? Because you can do it at your own pace. Yeah. I think we should do another live one, though, just to refresh me. Okay, but hidden. Yeah. Okay, because I did it. I did it. Uh, but but uh, just like the podcast, you have to set it up. That's fine. I'm lazy. I did it fully visible with Campbell. But the problem is, you know, it's a uh, blocking, so it makes it a little easier for the Germans in 41 when they can see where all the Soviets are. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would want to do the first uh, basic opening phases on Vassal, and then we can do PBN. Yeah. Because I think it's better for you, because then you can just send me the turns whenever you want to. Yeah, that would work. And half the turns are just, half the emails are just, Hey, expose your blocks so I can see what they are. Yeah. And then I'll do the combat. Yeah. And then you can hide whatever you want to hide afterwards. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. a lot of the emails are, I, I think it's better because it's, it's one of the few games you can absolutely do play by email. Yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I need to read the rules again because I, I think I got sloppy toward the end of our last play. We're well, I think I was hammering you pretty good in that one. Oh yeah, for sure. But, uh, but I was playing the Germans in that one, right? No, we no, I you was did the Germans the first. And you did that, and I said, okay, let me show you how the Germans go. <laughs> yeah, let me show you how it's done. Let because me show you like, everything you did wrong. Because Kev, <laughs> Kev played it, and he said, eh, Kev likes blocks in the East and blocks in the West and blocks in Africa. And, hey, I'm not going to hate on it because I haven't played the game. Um, I, I just think East Front 2 is a really elegant game. I really like it. Uh, so Kev's complaint about East Front 2 was, yeah, well, if you, if you attack historically uh, with the headquarters and the units – you, you aren't going to get good results. And and one of the things I said was, well, I wasn't sure if your German players were knew how to play the game properly. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was, um, the headquarters aren't really as much the actual headquarters as as they are that uh, what's it called the the Schwerpunkt the 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 force the logistical force mm-hmm. that's yeah. behind the headquarters. You know, so if the Germans decide we're going to go south of the Pripet marches. Yeah, you send two headquarters there because a the headquarters really represents all the logistics and supply and air power, and that's yeah. what you're pushing. That's your main not the command access, right? It's not the headquarters with antennas, and it's it's the weight of, of a logistical pressure there. That, you know, so um, so then he said something like, "We'll count or something." We'll do that. And I have too many games playing, so. But we should do that. We should uh, reopen that because I didn't know if Campbell really dug the game because it, it's challenging playing East Front too. Because if you let a new player play the Germans, they usually aren't aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. And if you have them play the Soviets, then you just beat them like a redheaded stepchild, and then they maybe don't want to play again. But the truth is, 
the Soviet player, if he can just hold on to Moscow, always has a chance to survive and then really get stronger later on. I don't mean so. I don't mind being your redheaded stepchild. <laughs> well, and, and, and the other That's how we started our too, romance. The, the other, <laughs> oh, jeez, I mean, we, we said we'd never talk about that. So, <laughs> uh, the, the other beauty of the game too is it kind of forces the Soviets to be aggressive because there's a tendency for the Soviet player in East Front Two to want to turtle and not fight and just set up defensive lines. But if the Soviet in the winter turns and other turns when they actually get uh, uh, they get the advantage, if they don't attack the Germans. The Germans can become too strong to push out. And that's so you can get problem. a you can get a forty three situation where the Germans are just the Soviets can't can't budge them. So the Soviets also because that's that's been one of the complaints too that uh, a Soviet player in forty three forty four says oh well the Germans are too strong I just can't move them. Well that's because you weren't aggressive enough. The Soviets were very aggressive in winter forty one and and through forty two and with Uranus and all that stuff. Uh, they were very aggressive against the Germans, and while those attacks weren't successful, they did bleed the Germans quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's wonderful. So there you go. We'll do it. Let's let's do that. Nice. Pink, pinky swear. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. Anything else, buddy? Nope. Thanks for having me on. God, do we need to do any editing on this thing other than piecing together the other parts? Yeah, it'll be questionable of what got missed in the power outage, but it should be okay. Yeah, Dave like, was talking. I think it's all right. I don't think yeah. it recorded though. Oh, which time? Oh, about the the uh, vassal bulletin board thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll yeah, make it. Like, Kick my shit one time through. Fuck the playback. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, man. That's it. That's all. All right, right guys. All right. All right. Have a good one. Bye. See you. Bye. Visit us at http colon slash slash bardgamegeek.com slash build slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com.